Welcome to DC Cinematic Minutes' first ever Patreon exclusive bonus weekend episode. Is that the whole title? Extravaganza. Birthday celebration. Blockbuster. Smash hit. Coming to a theater near you. Uh, what did we call it? DC DLC. That's what we're doing. Oh yeah, that was a that, that was, was a, name. a name. That was a name once. Welcome back to DC DLC. Uh, I'm Mark. I'm Nathan. Find... Oh, I'm Nathan. You can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. Now people are gonna get confused. <laughs> Don't do um, that. And today, what are we talking about, Nathan? Hey, I'm Nathan. <laughs> um, today we're gonna be talking about. Of a, a book that is dear to me, and I think you have grown a liking towards quite fondly. You talking to me? I'm talking, talking to you. about yeah. me. Yeah, who else am I talking to you? I'm talking, I'm talking to, to listeners, probably. I'm talking to Maybe? you because you're directly in front of me. Oh, okay. And, uh, uh, yeah, we're talking about Doom Patrol, Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. Well, yeah, specifically Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. We're going to talk about the others, but you know. Yeah, we'll mention we'll the talk other about ones because you have to. Yeah, it's just, it's Doom Patrol, man. And get this, it's linear. What does that mean? We'll get back to it. <laughs> we'll circle around. Um, yeah, so I don't know much about Doom Patrol. Uh, and maybe there are some listeners who don't know about Doom Patrol as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we are doing, so this is like our bonus weekend episodes where we step aside from the minute by minute formula of. Uh, analyzing the the films of the DC cinematic universe. Um, And we're going to start reviewing some comic books and really diving into some of the the great stories that exist, not only with DC, but maybe Marvel or image or vertigo, wherever, maybe even more indie than that. But like, that's what we're going to get into. And this first episode, we're going to talk about Grant Morrison's run of doom patrol. And uh, yeah, Nate, can you, can you give us the rundown on it? On the whole book, or or what? No, you can just generalize. Just Doom Patrol, maybe from oh, from its geez. beginnings. Maybe how so, you got into it, or are, uh, well, those are all different kinds of questions, Mark. Those are <laughs> that's you're just giving away the entire show at this point. So, if you don't know what Doom Patrol is, Doom Patrol is a team in the DC universe. Um, and they are, I would best describe them as a ragtag group of misfits. The misfits of the Justice League. So, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean it in the most realistic, relatable way that you could probably get to outlandish comic books. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that made sense, that whole sentence, but we're going to roll no, with it. No, it makes sense to me. So, the Doom Patrol through the years has had a, a core group of, of members. Mm-hmm. Um, but they've been, you know, changing them out um, or not changing them out, I guess, focusing on different ones and, you know, at different time periods, you know, there weren't the, some of them and then, you know, time went on and new guys came in. That's how teams work, right? That's how. Yeah. But I think just so numbers. this Grant Morrison one was like, I think it was the biggest tonal shift of oh yeah of the definitely whole doom patrol franchise yeah this grant morrison's doom patrol actually was where it got weird off the wall in a in a in the, the best in a, way possible in a successful way yes that's a better way of saying it like morrison to begin with is just 
I think we're going to talk about him a lot, <laughs> a lot. So to just right off the bat, Grant Morrison is, um, I'm a huge fan of Grant Morrison. I know that there's people, obviously there's people that don't like him, but I know that there's people that I know personally that have like vendettas against, against this him? man. Yeah. I didn't know and, it was um, so black and white. I think it is. It's kind of like that John Romita Jr., I guess, black and white. Some people really like John Romita Jr. Me. Mm-hmm. Some people really can't stand him. You know, anyway. Um, so Grant Morrison is a, a very intriguing man, very interesting mind, and um, it reflects in his stories. And it seems like he can... He, he, it seems like I'm speaking as this entire volume, the first volume, it almost is like he saw it as a puzzle and was putting it together for us. Like he already knew what the end game was. Mm-hmm. So he was just kind of feeding it. I guess that's maybe that's how a, a good lot way of to times put people, it. Like, people a, made, right? like trying to, cause from what I read, uh, cause I'm not, See, that's the thing. I'm not black and white about Grant Morrison. I enjoy... Yeah. There's his, some hits. There's some misses. There's yeah. a lot of hits, in my opinion. And then there's some misses. And maybe, you know, when you learn from those misses, that's what best defines you later on or something like that. But, you know, I wanted to get into Doom Patrol the, white, the right way. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, what better way to understand his writing than to try to understand the man himself? So Good luck. <laughs> yeah. And that, yeah, that really hurt my brain trying to uh, look up his influences and whatnot. So I did some research. I got into looking up into more surrealism, which, you know, I already had like my feet in some surreal art before and I've studied some of that art history. Mm -hmm. But then I really wanted to get in more specific examples that helped influence his work. And cited in the Doom Patrol book that we're reading which is doom patrol is it called book one um, his run what is the well bo- the book? this whole thing is just the first volume um it's it's from the vertigo uh vertigo actually yeah it was here in it, the so. bottom right it, it just says, says book one man. yeah book one the grant yeah. morrison one i got two at home we'll include the link on our <laughs> patreon so if you guys want to check out the book please do we're going to be today we're going to be talking about just um the first four the first volume i guess yeah the first story which is called crawling from the wreckage it's a four-part issue sort Um, of like a reintroduction of the characters oh yeah and the whole there's a there was a big year gap uh between the original like when the original storyline ended versus Mm -hmm. when grant morrison came up with it so yeah and this book starts with issue what's known as issue 19 of doom patrol which we'll get to why that that is um but in the there's a an opening forward by him in the book by Grant Morrison, and he talks about some of his influences and in surrealism that helped him kind of get the reins of how he was going to write this story because I think he was hesitant about writing Doom Patrol. He didn't know he didn't want to just like rush into it. He wanted to do it right, and uh, so some of the influences that he had was like Jan Svankmeyer, who did Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. Um, Kenneth Anger's You to Artifice and Maya Darren's Meshes of the Afternoon were all uh, recommended by Grant Morrison in the book. And uh, boy, I got to tell you, <laughs> trying to watch those, comprehend what I was watching, and then even like, you know, how you can surf YouTube and like go into a black hole of other What's surre- that? <laughs> surrealist videos. I, 
I really started to get like sucked into like this void of surrealism uh, media and yeah, it's it's some powerful stuff. And but there were, there was a lot of things I I got out of it. And um, I think one of the most interesting things was I before I read the Doom Patrol crawling from the wreckage story that we're about to talk about. I watched those first because I wanted to see what that was like and then seeing what the finished product of his writing was. So I watched Alice's Adventures in, in Wonderland, uh, Yuda Artifice, and Maya Darren's Meshes of the Afternoon. And I think there's a lot of influence in this book about Meshes of the Afternoon, but some of the key things in the Yuda Artifice and Adventures in Wonderland that I think specifically were made their way into this book was the use of scissors was a big part of those, yeah. of those pieces. And I, you know, to me, I think it's probably the, the scissor is a product of that. Um, and I wrote down as a, as a question to myself, and I don't really have an answer to it, but like a two, uh, a tool where two blades must work together was something that came across my, my mind. So I, I wasn't sure if like, that was something that really caught Grant Morrison's mind or something. But like, you got to think about like what scissors are. And it's like, it's pretty interesting when you take that it's two things that have to work together and then you kind of apply it to scissor men and doom patrol. And you know, if you took a, you took a pair of scissors in half, like they can't do their job, but together they can. So this little curious thing, I'll post the links to those videos as well. If you guys want to check out uh some of his influences but yeah um but uh should we talk about what happened before this story starts or should you want to talk about uh maybe about what did happen before this story started it was i mean like this whole they were it was a origin and then they were doing some you know silver age comic book stuff and it was real fantastic. Four-ish? Four-ish? You what, tell what me. What did you say? Was it Fantastic Four-ish? Oh, no. I was just saying the word fantastic. Oh. Um, I don't know why. I didn't mean for it to... If you say that word, do you automatically relate it to Fantastic Four? No. When I hear fantastic I used, I think of like fantasy, like dragons or star wars really fantastic is fantasy to you that's i mean that's kind of what the adverb is it's i think that's what it's supposed to be but i'm asking (laughs) is that what originally doom patrol felt like did it feel like you're reading fantastic four because it had like elastigirl and i guess but more depressing even the original was depressing yeah because it was like fantastic four like they want it to be heroes. Doom Patrol doesn't want to be heroes. They don't want. Not they were essentially one. not in any of them. They oh. were essentially like created by you know the chief to like do you know the 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 dirty jobs. I mm-hmm. guess to like you know try to be the unsung heroes, but like n- not care if they die or not. Yeah, because you know like. All their powers, they weren't, they didn't like their powers. No one liked their powers. They all had regular lives. Yeah, Tom. I guess, yeah, what? Go who's ahead. Who's the editor? Tom Payer? 
Yeah. Uh, he had a, a forward in this before, Grant Morrison's in the book, and he said something along the lines of, uh, it introduces, uh, he introduced the book with a f- reflection of like his fondness of Doom Patrol. Uh, and from what I understood, he it, like he said like the beauty of Doom Patrol is that it's a reverse superhero story. Um, like the metahumans aspire to be normal instead of aspiring to be heroes. Yeah, they just they want to they want to be normal. Want to live a normal life. I mean, that's <laughs> just like what that's how when I called earlier in the introduction, I said it was probably the most relatable. To me, it's one of the most relatable. Um, comic. I don't want to say comic because that's kind of broad. Um, superhero teams that I found. Don't yeah. get me wrong. I love the Justice League. That's great. But like, but the Justice League is our like mythology. It's yeah, like, it's like a god. Yeah, thing. that's like the you know you put them on a pedestal. And you like, teach your kids about the Justice League yeah. so that they grow up with the virtues that. You yeah, know. the Doom Patrol is just that. Like you live in a world with the Justice League where they do exist yeah. and you want to be like them, but you know you can't. So it's mm-hmm. like just failed attempts and people that just don't want to have these powers. Yeah. They're, they're, um, what's the, what's the word? Bothered by it, but not, uh, pestered, pestered annoyed, annoyed, uh, burdened, burdened, burdened. <laughs> that's what it is. Yeah. They're burdened by their powers. Um, and, you know, that seems like, a lot of like X Men kind of style, which I was just about to ask you cause, because good segue, yeah. Because nowadays there's a lot of X Men stories. Like yeah. I think there's like two TV shows. Yo, X Men should be its own universe. Like be like its own thing, not like in Marvel comic. Like X Men should be its own thing. It can still be a part of Marvel, but like it has to have like its own. It's hard for me to imagine like the shared universe with the X Men. It would be easy. I know it exists, but it would be so easy because it's like, well, the DC universe has it so easy because they can just blame the multiverse and they go, yeah. they go, yeah, that other well, Earth is X Men. Well, Marvel still had that excuse. They they don't utilize it though. They don't have it anymore. I think all those things ended, didn't they? Just that, in, there was there fault. was an event. I think last year that happened. Uh, Sometimes you got to ask yourself: Is this event worth it? <laughs> it just, I mean, it's all hmm, in the industry. It's as hateful as it is. It's in very good entertainment. I love comic books. I will always buy comic mm-hmm. books. I'm a sucker for comic books. But I can tell when there's like money grabs. Clickbait. Clickbait, money grabs. It's like, oh, this arc is just to keep people still interested in it. Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to come from it. They're going to wipe everything out at the end. But, you know, it kept people interested. So, I mean, there's two shows of X-Men. There's a dozen movies. There's... Another movie coming out that's starting to take another spin at the X-Men. And I feel like with all these different X-Men titles, it's getting harder for us to even want a Doom Patrol movie without it seeming like, oh, it's just, it's a, just, a, it's just of a DC X-Men, X-Men yeah. movie. You know, like that would be the worst thing to say. Which is upsetting. Because they're all, they're all, like all these team-up stories, they should exist because they do something different. Like Watchmen, I think is, all right, it's a it's a hero team that's dysfunctional, mm-hmm. but their goal isn't to try to be human. Their goal is to try to be realistic superheroes. Superheroes that say, hey, if this is how you want peace, it's not pretty. And, you know, being this powerful isn't 
what you think is is your your idea of god like mm-hmm. and you know so there and even like people like the comedian is like <laughs> you want the american dream we're living in it like one of those type of things where it's like they're still heroes trying to be heroes but in that dis- distorted way of, that they think about being heroes and then suicide squad that's another team up whether it's like i don't know just bad people trying to be good heroes a suicide squad <laughs> sure they're not trying to be heroes they're you know a gun is held to their head do this yeah it's but it's all very different that's why like defenders is another thing like those are normal people trying to be heroes yeah and um i don't think i th- I think a, a good way to describe them like how you said, Doom like Patrol? it's a lot, yeah, Doom Patrol. You said like a, it's a lot of time. It's like them wanting to be heroes or them wanting to be human, wanting to be human or what have you. The Doom Patrol is more so on the fact of, well, my life can't get any worse than this. I guess I'll try to utilize these powers and work with these other people. Yeah, and then they realize that like they're all they all have their own problems and they all have their own issues centered around one man. Uh huh. Nudge, nudge. Anyway, <laughs> that bastard. And, I mean, but they all like kind of, you know, they relate to it. It's like, you know, they're a group of misfits that have the thing in common is that they hate their lives. And I think that's I like... I love that. If I could reel in the listeners for a bit, I feel like that's why you would enjoy the story. If you haven't read it, and if you have read it, maybe you agree with us, mm-hmm. that this is why this story is so good because it's it's the characters want to be normal and they're not normal. And maybe towards the end, they embrace that they're not normal together. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. as a listener or a reader, like if you feel like you're out of place, you feel like a weirdo or whatever, like just know that there are other people out there like that. And you can find a sanctuary in that, you know, like Quasimodo, like Quasimodo, um, but yeah, like read Doom Patrol if you haven't already, and then you can somewhat relate to it as a person because you feel like, hey, I I feel not normal about things, or I, you know, I've I've had past where I've been treated like I'm just not in with the crowd or something. Yeah, man. And this story helps you kind of. It says like, hey, join the team, or yeah. you know, <laughs> it's okay to be weird, man. It's yeah. okay to it's okay to be strange. The strange things happen. Yeah, exactly. Just got to deal with them. And deal with them together, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so, another, you want to... what? Oh, no, go for it. I was going to say another um, good theme. Do we get it in? Yeah, it touches on it. Um, I guess towards the end of the first... No, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it touches on it. Um, the theme of the whole metaphysical aspect mm-hmm. of this book the entirety of Morrison's Doom Patrol, um, I think was the thing that fascinated me the most. And um, what's great is that that theme carries over to the now DC Young Animal line, Doom Patrol by Gerard Way, which is fantastic, by the way. Selfless plug, anyway. Um, this first first mention of that one. So, uh, so yeah, like, if if you don't know... What, now you know. What metaphysics is, <laughs> uh, broad spectrum. Essentially, that means, yo, anything can be anything. Like, things could exist, 
they they might not exist but you know they could exist and uh you know right here in this uh that's a bad example what's a bad example i was gonna try to give an example but but i couldn't think of anything you see that pear that's on the counter over there what about that pear that pear you have no idea if there's an entire universe inside that pear that's just <laughs> living life. Like, yeah, you can put it under a microscope and break it down on a cellular level. Mm-hmm. But, like, you never know if there's actually something beyond that or could happen to it. It could just happen spontaneously or, you know, it could just it could just be or do anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's just like, a, I guess, trippy. Makes me sound like I was, that that really sounded trippy. It sounded crazy. Hey. Hey, we're talking about Doom Patrol. Yeah, we are talking about Doom Patrol. Um, It makes you question if you're crazy, which is a great thing. I think it's okay to question that. (laughs) I feel like questioning your sanity is the best way to stay sane in a weird way. Go, am I crazy? And it's like, as long as you're asking yourself that question, as long as you're checking yourself before you wreck yourself. Yeah. Good on you. Um, do you want to jump right into the story then? or Yeah, let's do it, man. So we're going to be reading, like I said, we're doing the first initial story of uh, Grant Morrison's Doom Patrol. It's called Crawling from the Wreckage. It's a four-part. It starts on uh, the first story or the first issue of it uh, is known as Doom Patrol issue 19 because, as we said before that, they did a whole... Uh, what's it called? Like a retcon or something? They they killed off Doom Patrol basically, um, and it really it felt anticlimactic. I, I looked it up and it just seemed like, hey, just just bomb us or something. And they're like, all right, I guess we'll it do it. It was the gene bomb. Mm-hmm. And yeah. they were like, just just hit us with it. And yeah, because like, it was supposed to you know protect metas. Yeah, they were protecting like, everyone, and they were like, yeah. oh, just hit us with it. It'll be cool. I believe it. What it was going to take out their power. It was going to give them. It was going to take their powers away, wasn't it? I thought it would just kill them just all. Just kill them, yeah, just kill them. Well, the effect of the gene bomb was to make everybody a metahuman? I don't remember. I don't know. Some old, big old diabolical Cobra Commander plan. <laughs> That's probably, someone's going to yell at me. For that. Um, Let's see, what's, who wrote that? Cooper, Cooperberg. Cooperberg. He wrote that one. He wrote the ending of that. Um... Doom Patrol, originally created by Arnold Drake. This is one's written by Grant Morrison. The artists include Richard Case, John Nyberg, uh, Doug Braithwaite. Braithwaite? Braithwaite? Braithwaite, I think, is, is okay. Scott Hanna, Carlos Garzon, and then it's colored by uh, Daniel Vazo, uh, Michelle Wolfman, lettered by John Workman, cover artist Brian Boland. And then, yeah. So, yeah, let's just jump right into it. So, Nate, what are your initial thoughts when you first read um, Crawling from the Wreckage? Like, your first time before you recommended the story to me at all. Oh, man. Was this your first time reading Doom Patrol at all, or did you... It was my first time actually sitting down and reading it. Um, you know, I worked in, in a comic shop, so, like, I would always, like, pick up things. If mm-hmm. I had, like, a, a down moment or whatever, there was always down moments. Um, and I remember, like, you know... Um, just like rifling through uh like the Doom Patrol, like this this archives edition, um, volume one that I have. Um I remember like picking it up and always wanting to just like sit down and read all of it. 
and I could never do that. And I also, this is terrible to say as a comic book fan, I have qualms with Silver Age storytelling. Um, I get, I get it. I like it to an extent, but then like, I can't do whole volumes of it. You know what I Mm -hmm. mean? I have to get like, to me, that storytelling is more like you get the gist and it's like, there's, you know, there's obviously there's supposed to be like, I always feel like there's a a radio narrator Mm -hmm. uh, coming over the thing. And like that whole, the narration back then was always, always got me. So I never really read the entirety of, of Drake's Doom Patrol, but I have it here. We, you know, could crack it open. I've, fl- I've skimmed through it, so I've, I've caught the... This is the second time using this. I've caught the gist. Anyway, Doom Patrol from Grant Morrison. I picked up because I am a Grant Morrison fan. Big Grant Morrison fan. And... Um, did you read this one before you read Gerard Way's, or did you read... Oh, yeah, for sure. I've okay, read, okay. Yeah, I read volume one and two of Morrison's before reading um, Gerard Way's now. And, uh, which is brilliant. If you... If it, hey, if you're if you're getting into Doom Patrol, that's what I would suggest doing. Even if you take the cliff notes from Morrison's run, but like get the full story because mm-hmm. it, it happens and it's a continuation in, in ways, which is great. Um, but yeah, I, I first picked up Morrison's. Um, gosh, I don't even remember how long ago it was, but I had the time and I sat down and I read the first. Uh, story I read Crawling from the Wreckage and then like I, I put it down I remember I put it down I went outside and like I was sitting outside and like it was a really nice day <laughs> and then like I thought to myself like what the hell am I doing I need to keep reading this book like it was almost like the, the Crawling from the Wreckage kind of like it took it out of me I was just like whoa like I gotta I gotta sit I gotta think about this for a second and then, like, I got back into it. I was like, yo, I want to have that feeling again. Yeah. I want to continuing, I, w- I want to continue feeling, like, this this questioning state that I was in and this, like, expansive mindset. It was just great. It was just a, it was a fun day. Um, a moment of wonder. I've, I've had, I've, there have been many a times where I've been reading books, comic books as well, where it's taken me aback where I've just been, like, I need to sit back and just think about what I've read or you know what it recently was? The movie Nocturnal Animals. Oh, yeah. I watched that film. As soon as I finished watching it, I like laid down, closed my eyes, and just thought about what I watched. And it hit you, right? (laughs) Well, it hit me right then and there towards the end. And then it was just a moment of me comprehending everything I just watched. And like, not so much. And it's never about understanding what I just read, but it's more of like, questioning how it applies outside of it kind of thing so like with doom patrol as well crawling from the wreckage uh the title is perfect crawling from the wreckage it's like you know putting yourself in 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 the shoes of someone crawling from wreckage of of something maybe metaphorically or you know just something that you're going through in life yeah and that was you know just putting myself in those shoes of these people and and it's it you know it's, it's almost an eye opener, if only it makes you question things for a moment. But as long as it does that, like that's a win in my book. So, Doom Patrol nineteen, uh, crawling from the wreckage part one, starts with uh, I guess the origin story of Cliff Steele 
like I, like I said before, this is my first introduction to Doom Patrol, so I'm trying to learn as much as I can. But mm-hmm. uh, it seems like you know, this is obviously like a nightmare that he's having while he's in um, the asylum or psych, psych, psychiatric ward or wherever he's at. The nut house. The nut house, as people call it. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I love those first few cells because it's, you can tell that, yeah, excuse me, you can tell that, yeah, it's a dream. Mm-hmm. But um, just the idea that if he, I guess he's a, was he a stunt man or was yeah, he? Yeah, he's a, st- a stunt driver. Stunt driver? Yeah. Stunt driver who just crashes and he's like, he's like, what is he? He's like, I have it. I saved it. And it's like, he saved his brain of all things. And that got me immediately because I was like, damn, imagine being that guy who, because in the, in the cells it shows it's Cliff Steele as Robot Man. Right, that's his name, right? Robot Man. Robot Man. Yeah, but you can Real like creative. obviously you know like when it really happened, he was still his stunt driver self, flesh and blood and bone. And imagine like losing your brain and being just chaotic enough to be like, I saved it. It's here in my hands. Like that brain is you. Do you think that actually happened? I think that happened. I don't think that actually happened. Oh, I can imagine that. I mean, we don't know his origin story. That'd be a great origin story. Regardless well, he, of how real it could be, like, obviously, if your brain's out of your body, like, you probably can't function, but it's, like, the idea of something so depressing like that, where it's, like, like, guess. like you're dying, but it's, like, yo, I saved it, and it's, I like, guess. you're not anywhere close to being saved, you are, you yeah, are. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's out of this, out of this world, it's wacky. Yeah. It's, it's, I gotta tell you, they all have reason to be centered around, um, you know, we don't. We'll meet him in a little bit in this book, but um, um, in the nut house. <laughs> no, um, you know their whole leader, uh, Niles Calder, the chief. The, he like causes all their accidents. So like he caused Cliff's car to crash. Like he was doing this, like causing all these, you know, all, all these people, all the members of the Doom Patrol to. He was ruining their lives in order to give them superpowers so he can create his own superhero team. He's a crazy scientist. Have I heard this story before? You've heard it from me telling you before. Is that not been done in another piece of fiction? What? Someone like creating their own team? Like creating I created all of you. Like I've ruined all your lives for you to be here. Uh I feel like I've seen that somewhere. I know Wildstorm plays a little bit in that area, and I think in um uh gosh. I don't know. The first thing that came to my mind was, um, again, because I said Wildstorm, in Young Justice, season Mm -hmm. two, like Lex creates the... uh, The Superboy? He creates... No, he creates... uh, He creates pretty much the Wildstorm team. Like, you know, Static is there and and, and Long Shadow, Apache Chief and all them. So, like, I guess that's that, but they didn't get their powers from, you know, these are like freak accidents i guess i you can it it has been compared to the fantastic four you know they came out in the same time frame whatever but it was like Mm -hmm. uh the fantastic four's accident all happened at once it was them on this space adventure whatever um niles like you know lex luthered this crap and like followed these people learned about their lives and just like you know he found like the best of the best people Mm -hmm. and he just destroyed them so that they would have nothing left to lose. 
And it's like, well, I guess I should be, join the Doom Patrol. What else am I going to do? <laughs> like, that's exactly what that mindset was. It's so messed up. Yeah. So it's like he's on the same, you know, size, uh, same caliber as Amanda Waller, in my opinion. Amanda and Waller, Will Magnus. Yeah. yeah, Will Magnus is more. But he's just, he's mad scientist. Remember we were talking in Man of Steel about, like, where's the Jor-El story where he's, like, yeah. the crazy. Well, he is a crazy scientist. But, like, oh, he, he actually is a crazy scientist. He does Frankenstein. Monsters. Yeah, he's Frankenstein. But like, imagine him creating a team of Frankenstein monsters. Jor-El doing that. Jor-El doing it. Yeah, it's messed up. It is messed up, right? That's Niles Calder. Because I feel like that's what uh, Nam Ek was. He was that Rondor beast hybrid Kryptonian, and it's like that's such a Jor-El product. I think. Did we ever get to the bottom of that? I mean, we figured out how Namek was made, but did Jor-El make him? I think it's safe to assume... He probably had a hand in it. I think him and Jax Ur helped each other a lot. At one point? Yeah. Which, yeah, I think the Jax Ur-Jor-El dynamic was something that would be cool to read as a story. And maybe yeah. one day we'll have that. Um, but yeah, I, I thought, like, for sure that Cliff Steele was just, you know... And Cliff Steele, what, you know, such an interesting guy... Um, yeah, he's, I mean, he's been my favorite. I don't know if he, well, I really love negative man. He's there just great. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, Larry, Larry trainer, he's just amazing. But Cliff Steele robot man is in this book in Morrison. He's just fantastic. And Gerard way does it so well as, as well. It's just like, you create this like agonizing character that knows pain but can't feel it. Oh yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> you know, just trapped and it's like just the definition of of agony in one character. And that's just how he picks himself up out of bed every morning is beyond me. He picks himself up cuz he feels like he has to. That's what I'm so saying. Like, that's by that's it. just beyond me. Like you're so burdened by it that you can't you can't get past it. I don't know. I relate to that guy. Oh, I think we all we all should, you know. Um, he is like, Cliff Steele is kind of like our main protagonist of at least this story, right? I mean, it changes. He's not always the protagonist of the story of Doom Patrol. No, uh, yeah, just this story is, um, they use him as the protagonist, I guess, the main. Yeah. Main character. But, I guess the main viewpoint because... Mm-hmm. He's us. Like he's, he is. He's us so that we are like, I have no idea what's going on and then neither does yeah. he, so we have to figure it out. Um, and so normally he's called Robot Man, but in, in this run he's known by his actual name, Clifford Steele or Cliff Steele. Yeah. Um, they, use their, they use their names freely. It's not like just straight up code names. Like, yeah. I mean, they do it campy style in you know, Drake's because... That's that is what it is. Yeah. Um Elastigirl grew fifty feet. <laughs> oh wow, cool. But then like in, in books, like, yo, Rita, chill out. And so his is Cliff Steele, he's like the easiest one. He's he's also the easiest of the group to kind of understand as a character. Like yeah. oh, he's robot man. Like pun no pun intended to like his name or something, but it's like, you know, you're you're a man in a robot shell. We get it. You don't like your life. And it's easy to step into that than it is to say, 
let's get into Crazy Jane with 64 personalities. You don't know which one she is yet. And it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Let's, yeah. let's do something I can understand. And, uh, but although he's the easiest to understand, he's the easiest to relate to, like we said. And I like what is said here in um, Desmond White's companion to this Doom Patrol 19, where he says, In Drake's era, Robot Man was a symbol of post-war innovation. But in Morrison's era, he's a postmodern train wreck. <laughs> and yeah, I dig it because it's like, here's a guy whose mind and matter, but at the same time, machine. Like he, like you're just a brain mm-hmm. in a vessel. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about him. I'm talking about like people, like. That's what we are. That's what I've, you know, that, that's something that I strongly agree with. I, you guys probably don't agree with, but it's like, that's what it is. And it's like, you're no different from Cliff Steele because that's, you know, yeah, we feel things. If I pick up this pen, I can feel it. I, can, I have all my senses working, but this is just the, the machine that drives the brain. And it's like, it's one of those things where it's, you know, let's look at the cells where he's, uh, Who's he talking to when he's when he's walking through the asylum? You want to introduce this oh, character? Oh, yeah. So Will Magnus shows up. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, we've said Will Magnus. Will Magnus is another crazy scientist. Um, mm-hmm. Some will know him from creating the Metal Men. Oh. There you go. So uh, I guess that's what he's most known for. I think he did other stuff with like Tio Morrow and whatnot later on. But um, so, yeah, Will Magnus shows up. <clears throat> Again, excuse me. And uh, he want, he's checking in on, on, uh, on Cliff, and he wants to see how he's doing. And yeah. uh, he wants to try to persuade him. But, dude, have you checked out the penciling on his jacket? Look at this thing. Take this book from me. Oh, yeah. Like, like kind of you can even flannel look at, like, the, the sports jacket. to it. Like, where's the other page? I like that in the bottom left cell. Good podcasting, but like, yeah, oh, yeah. man, it's buy just the book, like, read along with us. Yeah, um, anyway. and there's a moment, there's a solid moment in uh, the first part where Cliff Steele just kind of, you know, he's always been stuck in his room. He doesn't really want to talk to anyone, and uh, well, Magnus is coming in, pestering him about, hey, you got to get the band back together, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like you got to be a hero like everyone else. Don't you want to be like Superman or whatnot? And he like reaches like like the straw that breaks the camel's back or whatever. And he's like, like, (laughs) just look at me. I'm this robot. I'm like, I'm just, I'm not even, it's not even calling him a robot is like a compliment. He's like just an empty shell with just this brain in the top part of the, the, that shouldn't even be there. Yeah. And he's, he goes off the chain. He's like, you know, I can't feel anything. Like, you can, he starts smashing his head in the wall, and he's like, for God's sakes, I can't feel anything. Like, I don't want this life anymore. Like, yeah. and that's what sucks is that, or what's great about it is that this new Grant Morrison version of Doom Patrol reminds us that it's just a guy trapped in the confines of himself. It's like, and we've all been there before, you know, regardless of the, the robot body. Yeah. Like we've all been there. Um, and so, you know, this, uh, dual existence of mind and matter, um, mm-hmm. another theme to this book opposites. Yeah. I guess the whole, the whole thing about opposites. Cause I think every character is a contradiction is a contradiction. 
yeah they're it's neither you know a lot of times they're like oh they're either one or the other things Mm -hmm. and like things in that but cliff Steele is both man and machine he's not just machine he's not just a man he's both and we'll see with rebus as he's known now negative man larry trainer larry trainer he's uh male and female Mm -hmm. um with all the 64 personalities of um crazy Crazy jane Jane. i'm trying Mm -hmm. to think of her actual name because i like her actual name what is it um k k chalice that's the that's the person's name but the superhero alias is crazy jane right Mm -hmm. um so she's like they consider her a saint and slut and she has 64 personalities which is like uh I think it's the 64, there's 64 positions in Kama Sutra. So Kama Sutra, yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah. that was like the, okay, we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go off that number for personality sake. And yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great to see that Grant Morrison, well, I don't know if he created it, but he really defined it as saying like, no, these people are not contradictions of of themselves, but they are... <laughs> a marriage of the two of the two opposites which i think is what's so fantastic about it and i think it's one of the great things about just this this whole group of characters like it's not like i find that more interesting than some other you know a lot of times people come up with like oh right we need like ragtag people like we need people with flaws and it's Mm -hmm. like let's let's really make some weird combinations of people like it's not even just like, oh, wait, let's make cool characters that are like flawed or like bounty hunters or mercenaries or people that have bad pasts. It's like, let's just make them freaks of nature. Mm-hmm. Let's just take things that don't go together and, and put them together. Yeah, because like life is not that. And try to contain it. Yeah, life isn't that. Um, you can't just be like, oh, this is, a, this is a guy with a bad past or something. It's like, no, this guy is a male and female like hermaphrodite demon energy poltergeist thing and it's like okay well how does that which in the natural world that would just be an anomaly that we can't control and it's like exactly it's a character you can't really control but now you've created it so how does it fit in Mm -hmm. and i think that is what's so great is because how do you get something that shouldn't be there to work in the environment and that's just real life. <laughs> yeah, it's true, man. Um, I did want to note that while we're on the topic of, of Robot Man, if we can go back to Robot Man. Yeah, yeah. The beginning of this book has one of my all-time favorite quotes in all of comics. Uh, you know, I wrote it on a, uh, on a whiteboard that I had in my bedroom, for a, and I kept it there for a very long time. It was very, it was nice. It's tattoo-worthy. So the quote is, it's not in this volume that we're covering, but I need to say it. Because it's said by Cliff Steele. It's said by Cliff Steele. And um, it's in reference to pretty much everything. I mean, you can even apply it to the world. Mm-hmm. It's just everything. So he goes to say, and he's speaking with um, you know, Niles, the chief. And he says, All I want is the answer to one simple question before I run screaming back to the bug house. Is this real or isn't it? And that question just is is one of my favorites like i mean it's just plain and simple is it real or isn't it like you can't you can uh, apply that to life right now and uh you know what's the difference between 
what we're doing right here and what's happening in this book, the argument is because what we're doing in real life is real. You don't know what's happening in this book isn't real. By the And that's why when they start introducing the metaphysical stuff towards the end of the book, mm-hmm. and then they start questioning reality versus mm-hmm. fiction, and then, again, going back to the whole marriage thing, it's 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 both. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it is. It's so messed up about it. It's like, nah, it's not just fiction or reality anymore. Like, it's just fiction everything. is now in the reality, yeah. and they have to deal with that. And it's like, that's what's so great about this story. And further on when Grant Morrison does like his other, you know, he's I think he said in there, like he planned, like he, when he sat down to write Tomb Patrol, he already had like the first like 62 issues of stories like written out in his head. And so when it came time to put pen to paper, he just went on with it and he really embraces the marriage of the opposites. And I think that's one of the coolest things anyone has ever tackled. And, uh, we'll get into it as we continue on. Um, but really what this story is, it's just getting to know the Doom Patrol again as a hard reset button. Yeah. So like we're introduced to Cliff Steele. He's walking around. He's getting the talk from, um, completely just dropped the name. Uh, uh, you got it. You got it. Something. Mm, nope. Will Magnus. I almost said Will Maynor. <laughs> I was like, who's that? Cause I was thinking of Larry Trainer, Will uh-huh. Magnus. Well, Maynor, and it was, yeah, it's was there. slipping. It was there. Um, hey, if your name is Will Maynor and you're listening to this show, I, I guess we owe, you some, aboard, Captain. We, we owe you some royalties. <laughs> yeah. So Will Magnus is trying to get him back in out of the nut house. You said bug house in the quote, but is it nut house, bug house? I, I've never the, heard bug house used. Yeah, see, and that's <laughs> why it's weird for me to say that word. I like it in the quote. Do I say it in real life? No. Well, I think the maybe story after this deals with, like, the butterfly, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that might be... Maybe it's in that story that that, that quote is from. It is with um, Jack the Ripper. Is that who's the... Jack. We'll see. Red, Red Jack. Red Jack. Jack. Uh, Black Jack. Whatever his name is. <laughs> you just... <laughs> there you go. I can't think... I'm just drawing blanks right now. I'm so focused on life you guys need to stop listening go buy the book and read the book right now yeah um that's you know yeah but so will magnus introduces cliff steel to another quote-unquote metahuman yeah um and this is kate chalice who everyone knows as crazy jane and they didn't know her before this i'm saying it if you've read the book you know you know her as Crazy Jane. I didn't know the, the, her before that. It's her first appearance. Yeah, but I like Kay Chalice. I really like that name. It's a cool name. Um, yeah. She's kind of replaced the the female of the group. Which, Rita Farr. What is, Rita Farr, Elastigirl. She's the, oh, that's she's her name? The, yeah, she's the Elastigirl kind Rita of Farr? stand-in. Yeah, Rita. I don't know what you're looking at me. I'm trying to see if there's like a, a something in the name is... Like afar, it's Elastigirl. You know, no, I was trying to figure out what the opposite with her was, but like she was just a really, f- like she was a movie star, and then she just became like you know this crazy stretchy lady, and everybody freaked out, and she lost her job. Sounds. I was gonna say it sounds a little lazy to be like, oh yeah, just make a girl who stretches. If you watched the. Uh, cartoon the animated teen titan series mm-hmm. the one from yeah, the 2000s she is there's a doom patrol episode and she's in it there's a doom patrol episode because beast boy's in there and beast boy came from the doom patrol 
back in the the Dizay. He didn't come from there, but he was a part of the Doom Patrol at one point. At in one time. point, yeah. So they had a Doom Patrol episode, which I think we watched it recently. It's okay. <laughs> which one? The Doom Patrol one. The Doom Patrol episode? Yeah, it's pretty good. I don't really like Robot Man in that one. It's because he's classic Robot Man and not. He's like the thing. He's like Captain America meets Robot the thing. Man. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Kate Chalice, she's kind of also like the group's like. Um, Oh, I have the key. Yeah, they answered everything. Like, what is that? Kind of, uh, I don't want to say Mary Sue, but she's... The Rolodex. uh, Desmond White says... The wild card. She's the ex machina. She's like the thing that's like solves the issue. Like, oh, don't worry. I actually have the answer. It's right here in my pocket. And it's like, she's one of those characters. But regardless of that, favorite character so far from reading Crawling from the Wreckage. Yeah, I really like this character. I like all the I lo- I like the personalities. This character, this personality that we meet right here is by far. It was the moment where I was like, "Damn, I'm sold. I'm ready to keep reading this book. I can't wait to talk about it." Um, and that is the Hangman's daughter. Like that is this whole bit that we gotta that we gotta talk about. But before we do, I gotta talk about. Crazy Jane and what uh, Desmond White pulled from where the name comes from. And so there's a poem written in 1933 called Crazy Jane Talks with the Bishop. And I won't read the actual whole poem, but I will read the summarization that Desmond wrote. And he says that in the poem, uh, there's a bishop that preaches a religious lifestyle devoid of sensuality is the way to live your life. And the woman in the story who is never called Crazy Jane, but she's referred to as Crazy Jane, says uh, she counters that with a semi-hedonistic argument, meaning, like, you believe, like, in life, pleasure and happiness is, that is what the meaning of life is. Um, And she she argues that that is, that physical pleasure is a form of truth as well. Uh, And that she implies that the basic structure of the universe doesn't adhere to the the structure of like theology or religion or anything. So it's a really cool poem. You guys should check it out. Um, I think what is the ending of that poem? Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is this brings out the slut. I hate using that word <laughs> to yeah. describe this character, but it, like it really uh, defines that the character Promiscuous. is promiscuous yeah but flawed i think might be the best way to describe it it's like you really can't know your worth until you've made the mistakes and 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 gone and seen the whole world you can't just live a a prudent life your entire life and feel like you've like experienced anything so it's one of those poems you guys should definitely check out um but yeah we were introduced to the hanging man's daughter or, excuse me, Hangman's beautiful daughter is what she's, is this character's personality. And she's talking to Cliff Steele and he asks her about the painting that she's doing. And so she's painting out in the middle of a, of like a park or something. It's just a big old like patch of grass or whatever. And she tells Cliff Steele that she's doing this painting called The White Darkness. And it's obviously you can tell like it's a face like screaming when you like 
it's like an abstract face screaming in the painting. And she describes it. It's a picture of Maya Darren, one of Grant Morrison's influences for this, uh, for writing Doom Patrol. At the moment of her death, possessed by a Mitress Irzuli. She was a brilliant woman, Maya Darren. She was only 43 when she died. And so here Morrison reveals one of his resources, Maya Darren, who was a bohemian avant goddess, uh, most remembered for experimental films in the 40s and 50s. Like I said, I'll include a link to Meshes of the Afternoon for you guys to check out. Um, but The White Darkness is a reference to Maya Darren's encounter with quote-unquote living gods, uh, which during a dance ceremony in Haiti, she was supposedly possessed by the goddess Irzuli, a Haitian embodiment of feminine, femininity and uh, coquettishness. Have you ever heard that word? What is it? Coquettish. Coquette. Co- I don't know what that word is. I want to look that up. Spell it. Uh, it's C-O-Q-U-E-T-T. I-S-H-ness, meaning the adjective form of the noun coquette, a young flirtatious woman. Oh, that's oh, it. we're going so, back to this, the whole... So you can't, you don't need to say the S word anymore. How do you say it? Coquette? Coquette. Coquette. All right. How do you pronounce coquette? Coquette. How to pronounce coquette? I wonder if it's going to play right through here. Is it going to do it? Is it going to pronounce the word? Coquette. Coquette. Why did that take so long? I hate that video. (laughs) Um, But yeah, here's an actual quote from Maya Darren about that. She says, I realize like a shaft of terror struck me that it is no longer myself whom I watch, yet it is myself. For as the terror strikes, we too are made one again. Stick that in your pocket. We'll bring, we'll go back to that later. Um, the white darkness moves up the veins of my leg like a swift tide rising. Rising it is a great force which I cannot sustain or contain, which surely will burst my skin. It is too much, too bright, too white for me. This is it. It's darkness. This is some crazy stuff. Imagine <laughs> being in Haiti and all of a sudden being possessed by something. I can't. Why do I have to be in Haiti? I don't want to imagine being possessed in any location, any geographical. But she was doing a dance ceremony. That's some crazy stuff. That's just drugs, man. But that was written in her metaphysical. Stick that in your pocket. We'll come back to that later. Divine Horseman. That's what that's called. I think I might want to buy that. (laughs) All right. Imagine reading that. Um, And so, yeah, this, uh, this is by far one of my... Like I said, this was the moment of, of the first story where I was like, yeah, this is it. This is where I'm sold on this book. Because, first of all, just him referencing my Darren again and all that stuff is great. Now, I think The Hangman's Beautiful Daughter, like, this is her ability? Maybe? Is it just creating art that does whatever it wants to because um, at one point I believe it's hand. causing visions it causes visions yeah I don't think the painting's actually moving I think like it's a vision that that Cliff has I think what's great about it is uh, she explains that Maya Dern uh, or Maya Dern I'm sorry 
No, it's my Darren. She uh, she died of a brain hemorrhage, which, in talking to Cliff Steele, is just a brain. Yeah. And I think that's... I guess the only thing that could kill him is a, is a brain hemorrhage. Yeah, it's the only thing that could kill him. And it's like, oh, here, let me tell you about this person that really influenced my life. She was only 43 when she died. She died of a brain hemorrhage. Like, of all things, you die of that. It's like one of my greatest fears is dying of an aneurysm because it's just something that you can't really stop. You have to, like, be ready to go to the hospital, right, when you have the aneurysm to really do anything about it. And it's so fascinating. Um, but after that, the painting bleeds away and it dies out. And the hangman's beautiful daughter has, like, a moment of depression where she asks some of the most important questions. Questions like you were saying when you read this book and you were like, you know what? I just want to be in that state of continue questioning things. Yeah. I just need to sit back and think about it. And uh, the questions were, uh, she asked Cliff just out of nowhere, just on the spot, just what do normal people have? Um, I've tried to be like them. What happens when you just can't be strong enough anymore? What happens if you're weak? And it goes back to, you, you take a moment, you close the book and you go, should I be asking these questions? <laughs> like, am I in that state? Do I feel like I'm in that state? What do I do? You know? Um, it should be. I mean, yeah, it's just, and it's, it's healthy. Yeah, and it's, again, it's these people that, you know, you're superheroes, kind of. You're metahumans. You got powers. Like, look at what you just did with that painting. Look at this robot man. And it's like, here they are, like, what do normal people have? Like, what am I, you know, I want to be like them, but they're stronger than me. I, you know, I'm, I'm this broken thing. I'm a broken person with a robot body. I'm this broken person with 64 personalities and being normal just sounds like a better life. And I don't know if I could ever be like them. I don't know if I can ever be on that same level of normal living a happier life. Now that's heavy. It is heavy, man. (laughs) It's true though. But, um, you know, then they, they calmly ended on that note. They don't answer anything. Yeah. Cliff Steele gets her out of the rain, and uh, I'm going to pass you the reins so you can talk about your favorite you character. Yeah, one of them. Um, yeah, I think he definitely... In, uh, yeah, see, I, I constantly fight. Like, I love Robot Man. He's great. He's just like, you know, it's the same kind of feeling you get when, you know, Superman's on a team. It's just like, Superman's just great. He's He's the guy. He's Superman. But Larry... Good old Larry over here um, is just fantastic. Negative Man is like, you know, just the coolest thing. It's just... So Larry Trainer, Larry Trainer was a pilot. And um, he was doing some, some test missions in this, uh, you know, new, new ship that was happening. Um, and much like the r- other members of the team... <clears throat> Their fearless leader uh, had a hand in his somewhat demise. It's not a demise because he, uh, you know, he comes back. So Larry has a has a, a plane crash accident. Um, he then gets in, in, encompassed by the spirit of this negative force. So, in relation to the plane plane crash. In relation to the plane crash. So that's it's a little different uh, when we are introduced to him in this story because we're introduced to him as Larry Trainer. We're not introduced to him as 
the negative man. Um, you know, so like the whole reboot and everything like that, he's just not negative man right now. But In, he was prior. He was prior. So that's why I'm saying like this, it's all linear. Everything, Doom Patrol is great because it is linear. It follows mm-hmm. through. The ending of Drake's run, like you just got to imagine like that whole death sequence just didn't happen. You know, obviously it's like the definition of a reboot. There you go. But all the events that happened in Drake's thing still happened to them. You know, it still happened to these characters. Mm-hmm. They were still there. And then in Gerard Way's run, like the, the events that happened in Morrison's run, it's kind of the same thing. They still happened to those characters, but the ending and the deaths didn't happen. Um, so Larry, we're on Larry. So Larry, we're introduced. Uh, he is in a hospital, um, you know, and he's pretty much there for his own good. He, uh, yeah, I think they're all there for their own. good. Yeah. He just, uh, you know, think of being, see, this is relatable. Think of being joined with someone and something in mm-hmm. a very close way. And then just being ripped out of you, just ripped away. No ease to it. No, nothing. Just it's, gone so on one hand it's in a good way exactly on one hand it's either a good thing on the other it's a like that itself is the burden like i feel that larry trainer is chosen to be bestowed these powers there's this whole backstory on like the negative force and these negative beings and, and whatnot. And, oh uh, yeah. Just like there's a microverse. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So like the Larry trainer is chosen to be the vessel for this negative spirit. And, um, we learned that this negative spirit is definitely not done with old Larry here. <laughs> um, so which yeah. I think is, is a curse. To be honest. Oh, Do you feel like it's a blessing? Oh, oh no. no. These, all these characters in Doom Patrol, their powers are a curse. Like, mm-hmm. there's always that argument of any hero having powers that it is both a blessing and a curse. Which, yeah, it's a, it's a really solid argument. But Doom Patrol makes it seem way more like a curse than anything. It really does have the feel of, well... My life can't get any worse. I might as well just use these powers. Yeah, like that's what it is, and that's I I like that. Because look at um, look at this the cells of Larry, you know, right before what's going to happen in this issue happens, and it's um, he's chilling. He's he's in he's smiling. He's in his his uh his bed at the hospital, Mm -hmm. and he's just reading books. And he's like, you know what, I'm Larry Trainer, and I'm normal again. Like I'm living life, and that gives that puts us back into, you know, what do normal people have? What are they doing? And it's like they just get to lay in bed all day, read books, go on with their lives. Yeah, but live his, in bliss. His situation though, like he's, you remember in, I think it was in Final Destination Two, there was the girl from the first one that was there, but she had checked herself into a nut house. That was in the first one. No, it was in the oh, second one. Oh, it was the second one, one. It was yeah. the second one. And they tried to go talk to her and stuff like that. Anyway, that's like what Larry's doing. Like, he's like, hey, like, I need to be safe. I need to feel safe. And I need doctors. I need, you know, help around. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's odd. And then, uh, 
Yeah. Old old spirit comes a knocking. <laughs> old spirit with that uh, classic poem. Oh yeah. What is what? The, how's the poem go? What does it say? They say in the cell. Uh, I am the spirit in the bottle, invisible. Oh, I can't even read it. It's all yeah, one word. It's all one word. I am the the spirit in the bottle, the invisible fire that works in secret. Uh, here, I stick among the roots of the oak tree. I probably could have just looked at the actual poem and read it a lot better because it's a run-on sentence. Um, but yeah, this is an old, old Grimm quote. Yeah, a what is it? It's, uh, it says, Negative Man's appearance is paired with quotations from The Imp in a Bottle, a tale taken from the Brothers Grimm. Um, Except this time, instead of, like in the poem, he says, let me out, let me out. Yeah. This guy, obviously, he's like, let me let in, me let in, me let in, me let me yeah. get back in, let me possess you, boy. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, we got stuff to do. <laughs> um, I always thought it was, you know, Desmond White points out, and I thought it was really great with uh, Larry Trainer's reading a book, uh, Harlan Ellison's uh, Partners in Wonder, which is like an anthology that co- was collaborated, uh, several stories between Ellison and other writers, uh, during the 50s and 60s. <clears throat> and in Ellison's preface to Sons of Jonas, uh, he writes, These are stories I have written with other writers. Collaborations are called. They are in the product of t- in the products of two minds working together, sometimes in complete harmony, more often in opposition. And so that is what Larry Trainer is reading right before he gets possessed. And just beautiful it's beautifully placed right before this happens with um negative man and just in general with the whole uh moving forward with doom patrol the way it's set up by grant morrison now excuse me like just that is another cool influence and if that's you know i'm I'm gonna have to look up that book as well i might have to give that one a read i like that name sons of jonas jonas J-A-N-U-S. Janus. Janus. No, no, I don't like it. <laughs> Sons of Janus. Sons of Janus. <laughs> but yeah, I think that's uh, that's part one of uh, Crawling from the Wreckage. Yeah, there's a big old cliffhanger at the end. I don't even know if it... Oh yeah, what's her... What's the, the doctor comes in. She tries to help him in. And, doctor, doctor. And it ends with this massive... Tell me the splash news. page, and it's so cool. There's like, yeah. uh, it's like alchemy symbols, dude. Don't even get me. You know what I'm talking about? Alchemy. You're looking at it. I love alchemy. Like, look at the the triangles, the squares, the, yeah. the, the symmetry of it all. Right in the center is a uh, negative man. On the right is Larry Trainer. On the left is the Doctor, and he says, "And now we are three. Now we are one." And uh, it just ends with that. It's that's some alchemy stuff right there. That is so cool. Yeah. Like, so who was the three? So the doctor, um, what was her name? She had a name. Eleanor, uh, Eleanor Poole, I believe was her Eleanor name. Eleanor Poole. It was Miss Dr. Poole. She, um, and I don't, I don't necessarily know why the joining occurs. I can't necessarily remember, but in order for this negative spirit it's just not Larry Trainer anymore. It's the two of them. Or the three of them. The three of them, including the spirit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. So Miss Poole got caught up in the mix. That's a song. Is that a song? Caught up in the mix? Caught up in the... 
caught up caught in the act <laughs> caught i don't know anyway but yeah that's that's uh gonna be the end of the the first book first issue no crawling from the wreckage part one crawling from the wreckage part one <laughs> or doom patrol issue 19 <laughs> that's it yeah so the first issue it's so hard to like decipher what like how we're gonna call it yeah it doesn't end there it goes into more stuff that, yeah does it really no i thought i just went right into it no well like in the book it's um the things that are happening with uh like larry and everything after they after um is happening at the same time that cliff and jane are talking so they're still outside the book ends with uh you know the transition into the next storyline which introduces the villains villain villains it introduces the after effect of the villain yeah which i had said that we were going to come back to the hangman's beautiful daughter's ability mm-hmm. and you said that it's visions and there's a theory in my head about ever since that happened like everything seemed normal like okay it's just people dealing with issues mm-hmm. but then once the hangman's beautiful daughter was like yo let me do this vision everything after that becomes a wild ride which makes me theorize if it all is a vision before someone realizes that it's not yeah. or that it is yeah and and so i think you could argue that it's like that hangman's beautiful daughter like she put everyone through this horrid vision for the next this whole four-part issue mm-hmm. and it's like this is one of my theories but um and no I th- i'm pretty sure that's the nail on the head right there man like that's that's where i mean that the quote that we get in i mean it it, it happened i feel like it happens throughout the entire series because that my favorite quote the one is this real or isn't it like mm-hmm. it what is it like we don't know it's both it happens yeah. at the same time and then they at the same exist. time it's like she's talking about my darren and how she died yeah. of brain hemorrhage and then you have these visions that put you on this like trip and you don't know what's real anymore mm-hmm. and it's like my darren was possessed by a ghost and it's like who says that you're not being possessed right now like maybe the negative man possessing larry trainer is when the hangman's beautiful daughter was talking about how Maya darren might have been possessed by the white darkness and it's like whatever you're saying right now quit mm-hmm. saying it because it's happening yeah. you're like jumanji as a woman it's like <laughs> quit doing it yeah man it's weird because i mean they go into like later on in the, in the book uh nothing that we're covering they go into like other planes of existence and it's like you know not necessarily other realities but like it's all happening there just you know string theory shit which is awesome <laughs> so part two of crawling from the wreckage um it has a really cool uh cover art done by richard case and it's like it's like cliff steel and kate chalice as paper cutouts and then there's scissors that are like kind of like a hey cut here and you can make paper dolls out of them because in this issue we're going to be talking about the scissor men and um the titular scissor men the titular scissor men even though it's not because the title doesn't say it doesn't say that but i Love using I heard, the word. I heard, I heard Mike use that word a lot lately. He uses it a lot lately. He, I think he uses it in sarcasm. Because <laughs> I'm using never, it for real. For real. Um. So Richard K says that the geometric shapes with the collage uh, of Dada artist Kurt Schwitters uh, cross with a pose uh, based on an Egon Shield drawing, 
is uh, the influences of that work. And so uh, Kurt Schroeder's, uh, the kind of collage where you take paper and you just like make whatever, and then people kind of get their initial emotional reactions out of it. That's what he was kind of going for in this one. And then the kind of 2D style of the self-portrait of Egan Scheele is how he kind of based the, the cutouts for Kay Chalice and just a paper man. Exactly. Just a man made out of paper. Man made out of paper. Um, Egan Scheele was a 20th century Austri- Austrian uh, caricaturist. He's a draftman, figure painter, and early forefather of expressionism. Hey, oh, hey, we go. know that game. Do we? Do we? I don't know. I don't know what that is. Um, but before we go into the actual main story, we're given like this kind of offshoot story. Does it play a part? It might play a part in the actual story. But uh, it most definitely does. Yeah? You want to talk about it? Yeah. So there's this priest that's a priest, father, pastor, whatever you want to call him, whatever you're, you're uh, fancy. He seems to be walking in a dump. That's what it looks like. Is there a a better word for dump? A better, better a waste management facility. I think that's what they call it. Yeah, if you work there. Um. So yeah, he's walking through a dump. A landfill. A landfill. That's what I was looking for. Waste management area. Is that we called it? Waste management facility. Waste management facility. Yeah, we're going to the WMF. You want to come with? Oh no, it's fancy. Um. So yeah, in this dump. This priest uh, is looking down, and he sees a sign, and that sign looks to have... um, What does it say? The sign says... It looks to have a a, a clear message, but there's some... uh, The sign looks like it should say, have faith in God. It's a priest. He's, you know, it's just fitting. Um, that doesn't happen. It does not happen. That doesn't happen at all. Um, he, yeah, he, I, I, it's so weird. I don't understand. Is he lost faith already? Is he in this landfill looking, actually looking for a sign of God? Like, but then Apparently. again, in the real life, is that what we're looking for? Is that what we spend our days doing? Oh, I have to like look for signs of the superman or signs of god out there signs of jesus signs of this signs of that and it's like putting so much faith or you know putting so much weight upon a theist out there like oh i i need that perfect being out there so i can rest my worries on and and have faith in it and like what is it? i mean i don't i'm sorry i don't mean to cut you off go ahead no you're fine um I was going to start asking, like, big religious questions, but I can't. I mean, I understand if that's, if you have faith in God and you want to, like, continue on with your life, that is what you should be doing. But there are those who spend too much time trying to find the science to tell them to do just that. Like, that's, like, whether you want to be a religious person or not is not the problem, per se. The problem is you trying, for those that try to, look for the sign to tell them to be like that. It's like either do or don't, but don't beg for the message to tell you to do it. And I feel like that's what this priest is doing. He's like, I'm out here looking for the sign to tell me how to live my life. 
And then the message is right there in front of him. It says, have faith in God. But Surprise. Yeah. Something else happens. And what's interesting is, I guess we'll come back to the the message, but um, he's saying, oh, the sign says have faith in God. And then all of a sudden, fish begin to, to fall from the sky. Yeah. And then you want to you wanna take it away from there? Yeah, there's fish, uh, you know, as if it was uh, straight out of a biblical story. Fisher, it's raining fish. Hallelujah, it's raining fish. Little do we know that there's something else coming down out of the air other than fish. So the priest is in a good mood because he thinks that's a sign from his so-called God. Uh, although, wrong word. But <laughs> what is it? He's like counting all the other fish. He's like, oh, there's, I don't know how he does it either. He's like, oh, there's there's halibut. There's, yeah, there's he's, uh, I don't, salmon. There's tuna. Is that like a normal thing that people just know like different classes oh, of fish? I don't know. I don't know either. You could. Hey, what fish is that? You got me. I might, you could cut it open. I could probably tell you just yeah. by raw meat. But no, I can't. Yeah. If you show me like the meat, maybe. When it's like yeah, filleted. I could, be like, I could be like, oh, that's salmon, that's yeah. tuna, that's halibut, that's swai. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So uh, he looks at, and there's no, he notices, there's no cod. And he makes a, a mention of that. Um, so what's the difference between a C and a G? A smudge on a sign. <laughs> um, this priest gets nailed by one of them lead line fridges that Indiana Jones saved his life in. God bless his soul. No, it wasn't Indiana Jones. He just opens it. And he walks out. It was in Crystal Skull. Yeah. No, it that's it. That's that's the refrigerator. Oh, this yeah. is the this is the refrigerator. That's the titular refrigerator. That's the refrigerator they used in Indiana Jones. There that's he is. crazy. That's crazy. Yeah, so the sign as we were to, to see uh didn't appear to say have faith in God because it said have faith because apparently it says G. have faith yes apparently it should say have faith in cod it says have faith in cod and then there is no cod so that's a sign that's the joke <laughs> that is the joke this is it's just a horrible it's just a horrible joke have and it's i think and i don't mean to be stepping on people's feet here but i feel like that's the point it's supposed to make it look like if there's people that are religious and they are looking deliberately looking for answers like you were saying that you're just gonna like it's just a joke like that whole act is just a joke yeah and like i said it's 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 like this guy he's not meant to step on people's toes that are already like established in their in in their own faith yeah it's like yeah that's that's cool that's that's everything be like that you know like i have friends who are just completely devout and it's like yeah cool like they do their own thing but they don't go through their life questioning whether they should be it's like either do or you don't like yeah but the i think the point is that you can't go looking for proof i guess believe what you want to believe it's yeah i see what you're saying it's like you can't be going like oh show me that this is the answer it's like well maybe it's not the answer the whole time yeah maybe you're not even supposed to be asking you know these questions Mm -hmm. maybe it doesn't even fucking matter Someone says that it's a, it's probably a, that this whole bit, it was like a, a spin on like an X-Men scene that, 
the at the artist at the time Claremont did, but I don't I don't understand that, so I don't really know what that was I'm in sure reference to. But yeah, if someone I'm knows, sure there's yeah, if someone thinks this it. is like a parody of of a X Men bit or any other superhero team up at the time, let us know because I think that's what. Is that this where the mo- joke comes from? I think, I think. Well, I think that's what this moment is. This is a Grant Morrison saying, "Hey, this is my superhero team up story, and it is not going to go the way you think it is." Yeah. And so, like, I think there might have been a moment like this in another team up story, mm-hmm. and he was like, "It's going to go my way now." Yeah. And that's what the joke is in this in this story. Yeah. So it's multiple layers, you know, Shrek yeah. style. You like an onion. We said that at the same time. You did, we didn't say onion like the same time, but I said, you said Shrek style, and then I backed it up with like an onion. Yeah, because we know we we got this. We know. We welcome back to Shrek Minute. No, you know, one day that's uh-uh. gonna happen. It probably is gonna happen, and I'm gonna day. be a guest on that. Are you? <laughs> yeah, you. Have I do to. like the first Shrek. Yeah, yeah. It's you're like right. that fantasy. It's, you're right. You know, it's got cool. What is the term for that? Where it's like. It has the the fairy tale creatures, but they're not in the setting. What is that? Borrowed license. <laughs> nah, all right. You like that it was made fun of Disney and got away with it. I don't. I didn't want to call it a parody, but it probably is parody. Um, yeah, and it's not that it made fun of it. It was just Save like... Save your thoughts for when Shrek yeah, actually happens. <laughs> yeah, this is pointless. Anyway, you guys are paying for... not paying for me to talk about Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay for you to talk about Shrek. <laughs> just me. Tell me how much you want. <laughs> yeah. I want a Shrek minute where Nate just is the only host. And you just have to talk to yourself about Shrek. Like... <laughs> if Is it just hey, like... welcome back to my podcast. Is We're it just right? me doing like the... The commentary, the DVD commentary, and yeah, it's just me. Yeah, you just do commentary, but you have to do it minute by minute, and yeah. it's just you. No guests, no nothing. Jesus. Like, Welcome back. You're going to listen to me talk about why I think Shrek is a really good film, and it's just these characters. <laughs> you just go on. I think that would probably go in the opposite way and be like, God, I can't I can't believe this. Like, <laughs> If it's just me sitting there in a room with my laptop open watching, just be like, I can't, I can't do this. I, that would be an entire... That would be probably the extent of a lot of episodes of a lot of the minutes I'd be covering just be like, Mm-mm. I hated this minute. I, there's nothing happening. And people would listen it. to it just so they could see you devolve in your psychosis. Yeah, like that's what it would do to <laughs> me. It would just break me down as a, as a person. And, and it would be entertaining. Like, wow, you really got to listen to this person break down into like <laughs> existentialism. Yeah. And then I'll just be a, on the, a puddle of mud, like the band on the headline of a goddamn Buzzfeed article man mentally breaks down for watching Shrek. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about what's happened with Larry Trainer. Yeah. So we're met back with Larry. Um, or we actually, you know, it's safe to assume that we see the bandages. It's negative man. We know negative man is Larry Trainer. Uh, lo and behold that look at his entrance, like right here, the, the first appearance of this, like that's with the, with the picture in the back. So, we get a character, and we get a name to the character, and I'll just, you know, say it right now. The name of the character is now Rebus, which is both Larry Trainer and uh, Dr. Poole mm-hmm. infused with the, uh, the spirit. So they form this union, 
of opposites that's also like negative man it's, it's a double opposite double double negative double opposite um you know negative man himself like is is a force of energy that should not um i'm sorry that essentially cannot be contained and yet he is contained you know the bandages help <laughs> <laughs> um and so like there's that opposite of uh the character of negative man but then you get larry um you know male opposite of uh eleanor i think his name was uh female and uh they're both like they're they're joined now you know opposite male opposite female into perfection it is it really is like it is the most heightened being that you could probably imagine at this point yeah i would think so with powers that are just unimaginable and this is all based on stuff that people believed in when alchemy was popular yeah in in old history and uh even looking at what um Richard Case is he the artist throughout the the story? Mm-hmm. So he, uh, in this big cell that we get of the introduction of Rebus, where he's sitting, posed cross-legged uh, in his chair, and then above him is kind of like this Adam and Eve esque painting. You still you get the alchemy symbols within the painting. You see diamonds within squares, circles within squares, like it at first just looks like an Adam and Eve painting, but it's really just more alchemy symbols. Mm-hmm. Like throughout is like when dealing with, with Rebus, it's just geometric shapes yeah. throughout. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if most of his bandages were just geometric shapes that Richard Case was, you know, all right, let me start with geometric shapes and then we'll, we'll ink them into being like bandages. And, you know, what's really cool. Have you seen um, Gerard Way's uh, in his run, the negative man? I'm sorry, the negative spirit, I guess, in mm-hmm. that run. It's cool because, like, you're, you're shouting out these um, geometric shapes and, like, the alchemy symbols and stuff. The negative spirit's head in that mm-hmm. is the, the diamond square, but, like, in, like, a head form. It's really cool. So Hell, yeah. It encompasses all of that. And, uh, and the whole meaning behind having the Adam and Eve thing is that ancient philosophy of, like, Oh, the alchemical marriage formed between king and queen is like, um, uh, what is it? It says like, it's like, it brings together the best, excuse me, the marriage between king and queen, like define and perfect each other. Like once they form together, they complement each other, they complement each other. They fill in the gaps. It's like, as if that's what man and woman are supposed to do when they work together. It's like the dichotomy, like they complete each other. And so that's what Rebus is, is like the perfect form because he has joined the two together. Mm-hmm. Kind of like if I can get into some nerdy stuff, Star Wars Rebels, when they fuse the Sith holocron and the Jedi holocron together and they get the best of both of them. Like, yeah, the whole Benduism stuff that I so much love in Star Wars. <laughs> but yeah, that's what he is. And I like the name Rebus more than I like Negative Man and all that. But Do you? I like the name Negative me. Man. I mean, this is my first introduction to Doom Patrol, so that's, yeah. what I'm, that's what I'm about. That's cool. It got some taken used to. 
Not really. Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, no, not really. Negative man is negative man. He's still awesome. But I, I like to point out that it is, uh, it's good to have this Rebus character. Mm-hmm. Um, it definitely fits in with the story. It fits in with them perfectly. It just makes sense. Uh, now in Doom Patrol, I don't think. Um, yeah, no, it's just Larry. Larry himself. He's not Rebus. It's just him in the spirit. So opposite in that one, I guess, is man and spirit. Physical versus... Uh, what's what's the opposite of physical? Mental? Spiritual? Sp- mm. I don't know. Yeah, I guess meant physical and spiritual. Anyway. Yeah, you got me. I've you, always wondered that too. What? What the, the opposite, of, opposite of physical? It actually hasn't been the first time I've questioned that. I'm just now. I remembering. guess it really depends on what it, what you're comparing it to, like to the human body. Mm-hmm. I guess it would be mental. Um. Yeah, I guess like the that's, mind that's over like matter, mind over matter, strength over intellect, uh, not over or strength versus intellect. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of dealings anyway so after we're introduced to what is now rebus Mm -hmm. uh we come back to what's going on with cliff and crazy jane and i don't know why i called her by her alias and not cliff but cliff and k uh join up again this time k is uh the personality known as driver eight and i forget uh do we see what her what Driver Eight's powers are? I think we do, don't um, we? I don't think we see it in in this book. We see Driver Eight later on. Yeah, it's actually pretty cool when they actually go into um, um, Kate's mind. It's like it's pretty crazy. Some crazy like, stuff. Driver Eight is like you saw the movie Baby Driver. I have not. Okay, don't tell anyone. I'm not going to tell Even anyone. Even though this is I on recording, either, but like this is. Um, this is that whole mindset. Did you see the Ryan Gosling? Ryan Gosling? Yeah. Dri- drive? Drive. Oh, yeah. That, that messed that me up. That person, like that good wheelman, oh, yeah. is what Driver 8 is. Oh, I figured. But for Jane's mind. Like, Driver 8 navigates through the mind. So, like, there's an argument where it's, like, saying, like, Driver 8 inside the 64 personalities is the most sane one. Whereas Jane is, you know, lost in every... Or Kate, sorry, is lost in... You know, I would really, over. I just, I really want to see a live action film to see interactions like this with Cliff and Kay where they're like, oh, mm-hmm. Driver 8, we haven't met yet. And it's like, what? <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, like that would be something to really, I mean, I'm sure that there have been actors and, and movies, probably very popular ones that do that. But like that uh, multiple personality switch, I guess. Have you seen Split? <laughs> Not Split. What's the Jim Carrey one? You, you, uh, oh, uh, me, myself, me, and myself, I. and Irene. Irene. Irene? Yeah, I think it's Irene. That's yeah. a, that's a one. But like, he goes through that in like real life now. Hey, man. Everybody's doing their own thing. Um, he he's one of those people that I think just got so smart that they broke. Yeah, but that's, that'd be really cool to see like on film on like the, the character of Crazy Jane and all the 64 personalities. Mm-hmm. And then just like, you know, mid conversation, just switch. Yeah, they say that um, that the whole Driver 8 personality for Crazy Jane is really just a reference to an R.E.M. song from their album Fables of the Reconstruction, but not that big of an R.E.M. fan, so I don't care. <laughs> um, 
But the whole reason we're introduced to them again in this part of the story is because they are going to introduce to us the villains of Crawling from the Wreckage, which are known as the Scissor Men. The Scizor Men. The Scizor Men. The Pokemon Men. Scizor or Pokemon? Scizor. Scizor, that was the evolved form. Of Scyther. Yeah, the red guy. It's a steel Pokemon, steel bug. Um, <laughs> man, this, this scissor man, like I said, I think, uh, Grant Morrison got a huge, is this the first appearance of scissor man? This was like, Grant Morrison was like, Hey, this is my thing. The scissor man, or have we seen them before? Like in history? In comic book history. Doom Patrol. Is this the No, first? this is, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is their first, um, Appearance, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, they they, they came out in eighty nine. Yeah, eighty nine. Yeah, this is it. Cool. This is like the concept of them and everything. The concept of them is fantastic. This is something that I can see. This, like the way these guys move throughout the story, I think if this Doom Patrol was ever done in live action format, this has to be a moment where you keep these guys in 2D and maybe even get real surreal with it. And I know there's a lot of CGI used in uh, today's world and that's cool and whatnot, but drop the frame rate and have these guys move in stop motion or even film them only in stop motion and include them into the picture and have these guys really paper-like in the way they move and and like maybe grudge-like and like the way they they move and like they're flat and stuff. These guys are so cool as a concept. And I think going back to like the influences that I studied for Grant Morrison, I think these guys um, came from the adventures of Alice in Wonderland and uh, uh, Uta Artifice from, oop, can't remember the name now, um, but I'm going to, it's, what's his name? Um, Kenneth Anger. Yeah, Kenneth Anger's uh, Uta Artifice. Like I said, you can read the notes of this podcast and you can find it there. Um, but Scissors are heavily involved in those works and I feel like those influenced him. Because um, it's not just one Scissor guy. It's Scissor Men. It's a group of them, which I feel like goes in tandem with, like I said, Scissors. Like, you need two blades to make Scissors work. So they work together. And, uh, yeah, they seem to come from out of nowhere. Um, which is so weird, but it's so cool at the same time. And well, I think they're they get. Hmm. So this is the whole thing with going back to your theory about Jane, or I'm sorry, about um, the Hangman's daughter. Mm-hmm. So there's like another plane of existence that's happening throughout this whole uh, book. Mm-hmm. We don't really get much of it in the first volume from the wreckage but um it's it's happening so they um kind of come about into our reality mm-hmm. through jane is what i'm assuming like she has this power to manifest these visions to blend you know reality and fiction and uh you know it's it's um so like she has this it's like this subway that like you know, it's just a subway. And the subway apparently has properties that can go into, like, the other planes of existence. The Scissormen come from that area. But I think that Jane is, like, the open door. 
I think she's allowing everything to come out. Or, I'm sorry, the daughter. Hangman's daughter is allowing everything to come out. So they do manifest from, in my opinion... The vision. The visions, the, you know... The the white darkness yeah. vision. Um, and I agree. And, you know, maybe it's um, the hangman's beautiful daughter. Maybe that was a doorway into some metaphysical subway where, you know, through Grant Morrison's influences, like, hangman's daughter could have a doorway into that like Mm -hmm. let's say Grant Morrison's putting pen to paper right now and he's writing and in some other plane of existence Hangman's beautiful daughter opens a doorway in his mind and now has access to what his influences are and pulls that into their reality but then it's also what he's writing so it's like a metaphysical loophole and that's how the scissor may get here it's like it's like being John Malkovich yeah it's like being John Malkovich and that's how they're here now. I mean, they've been pulled into reality mm-hmm. because of her. I and, think so, yeah. And um, um, Yeah, because if you look at this panel, you can see it. Listeners can't see it. It's the subway, and like you see this, it's all bony and really like weird and stuff like that. that this setting comes back later on in the book, and it's, um, again, it's like this, this place doesn't exist. It exists in a, in a book with no words. So how does it actually exist? Exactly. A little um, uh, reader insight into the scissor men as they relate to uh, our reality, mm-hmm. which now makes me question everything. Um, so there's a poem called The Story of Little suck uh written in 1844. If you haven't read it... Strupita. Don't read it. Don't read it. I think they did. There is an episode in the office where Dwight brings out this book and he's reading it to kids. Don't read it. (laughs) (laughs) It is so creepy and I hate everything about it. Um, But it's a story about a mother telling a kid, hey, don't suck your thumbs because then the scissor man's going to come out. He's going to cut your thumbs off if you keep doing it. Kid keeps sucking his thumbs. In comes this creepy ass motherfucker with the scissors and he's wearing like leer hosen or some jibber jabber. He comes in, cuts his kid's thumbs off, and walks out the door. Like, no, I don't. Whoever wrote this, why'd you do that? Because now this exists. I hate it. I don't like it. But, um, one thing I will say that's cool about, excuse me, the scissor men is, um, the way they talk. Yeah. You want to get into this? Yeah. So they talk um, in, a, in a style that um, resembles uh, uh, Dada poetry, which is like, you know, you kind of just piece together sentences and, 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 you know, you just take random, random words uh, together in a series that actually make it seem like it could be a sentence, but it's not. And I didn't know that when I first read this. Yeah. I was like... They must be speaking uh, in some extremely f- old English formal tongue that yeah. I don't understand. Like some weird stuff. But now I realize they're just speaking gibberish. It just yeah. In my mind, the entire time I was reading, I was like, all right, what are they saying? Let me translate mm-hmm. it. And then I have to realize like that it, you, you can't, can't translate it's not, it. It's it's just not, but the entire time I was thinking like, especially I think in part four and part three, I was like, wait a minute, they're saying something as part of the conversation, but now that was just me trying to put 
uh, trying to make it make sense. I was trying to force the world and force the world to make sense. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so there's a really popular band that's, uh, around nowadays called Phoenix. You may have heard of them. Um, they're, they, they, they do, their songs are dot of poetry. Like they don't make any sense. Like they write their songs. Uh, they don't, I, I'm pretty sure like they're not, uh, English native dialect speakers. <laughs> they don't sp- English is not their first language. So if, to my knowledge, uh, they write their songs, you know, with the intent that they don't make sense. It sounds good. It m- sounds like it could make sense, but it doesn't. Is that is there a, a term for the way that they talk? Because I'm reading here that it says, um, in Dada literature, an early proponent was William S. Burroughs, who became known for a strange technique for creating poetry by cutting apart text, tossing the remnants into the air like confetti, rearranging the slivers into f- new phrases. Mm-hmm. But is there is there a term for that? Like, how do you say, oh, I want? It's just Dada. Or maybe they're just, it's just scissorman talk. Well, it's just, it's, it is Dada. We had, um, well, let's, I had a, I had a, a refrigerator that had, you know, we, we did, we did just that. We took up, we took like a bunch of text and newspaper and we, you know, put all the words and, and letters and shit on magnets and our entire fridge was just covered in, you know, random text. And the point was to just get Dada poetry out of whatever you can make. A lot of people would make, you know, actual sentences, but most of the time, they didn't make sense because there wouldn't be, you know, you would purposely take out words or like you not have them. They just weren't full stories and whatever. So it's like the random. So I guess the term is Dada. Dada. Do you still have to maintain subject predicate verb and all that? Or I think like you can and it would like be like how uh, later on in the series when the scissormen are talking, it, it does sound like they're relating to the conversation at hand mm-hmm. like phoenix and their and their songs because sometimes it does seem like it's like uh, like when i used to listen to phoenix i used to be like i think i understand what this song is but yeah. now that i know that it's like i have to like go listen to phoenix again and go they're just saying just yeah it's just garbage it's just <laughs> gibberish i mean it's not gibberish but it's just like they're the just doing just, yeah it's just that it don't make sense it's just words arranged and i think there's probably a way to do it with the subject adjective predicate whatever you wanted to do mm-hmm. um but then i think maybe that would sound more random because if you like just break it down just like that like what's the simplest thing you could do you could do a subject uh noun adjective what do you say what's the basic subject verb predicate subject verb predicate i ate food yeah so like that is kind of hard to data because you can just say, well, maybe not. Dog um, catapult over the sun. That was my data poetry right there. No, because like that still makes sense. Because it's still subject for a predicate. Yeah, exactly. So you need like cart, uh, cart. See, you always want to put a verb right after you make a subject. I'll read a couple quotes from the scissormen in one of the cells and they said, Thirdly, be grimmer as fond brevities, elder with elders, and erethism safer. Yeah. It's like, what the heck? Yeah. But it sounds like they're getting prepared for battle at the same time. It's like you almost feel like you know what they're they're saying, but they're just mm-hmm. saying garbage. Thirdly, be grimmer as fond brevities. I want to know what the trick is to that. 
roughly those stop. No. There you go. Nate's a natural. <laughs> I I felt like I could connect something. That kind of made it sound like I was doing a, a haiku. Oh, even better. Haikus are fun. Haikus are fun. I can't do you one on the spot. You know what my favorites are? What? Sonnets. I love sonnets. sonnets? Yeah. I love me sonnets. Dude, yeah. I'm a, yeah. I can't do a haiku on the spot. See, even doing this Dada stuff is, is kind of hard on the spot because you, you want to force it. You're forcing yourself to make a sentence that makes sense. But it doesn't. But you, or you can't make it make sense. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like your brain automatically wants to say, I ate food. <laughs> exactly. But in reality, it's like, you know, I'm, trying, I'm just trying to think of something. No, don't do it. I feel like listeners at this point are like, now I'm trying to think of something. Yeah. Dada. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's hard. It's the same with like, I really don't ever want to get and be put into a situation where someone's like, all right, we're doing haikus now. Like, I don't know. I'm not doing that. I don't want to do that. There's that guy who's just really good at making haikus on the spot. There's always that guy. Yeah, absolutely. There's always that guy. And I'm sure there's people that are really good with Dada. It's like there's people that go with Pig Latin. Pig Latin's silly, I, but that's not the same thing. Yeah, it's a little different. Um, anyway, <laughs> that like really put a stop to me. I was like, "Oh my god!" I don't know what that whole. I don't know how to like stop getting off the whole Dada poetry thing. The way the Scissorman talk, man, it's just fun to think about. Cause, oh, dude, we yeah. can do a whole episode on trying to do Dada. Poetry. Poetry and Dada phrases and everything. I'm going to look up. I bet there's a Twitter bot that does Dada poetry. It's probably some of the best things you'll ever see. I can. Pro- I really like it. I can program Twitter bots. I learned, They teach you that in UCF. I think what, why I like it, what makes me like it more, what makes me like it the most <laughs> is... Um, that you try to put it... That you try to make sense from it. Yeah. Like you try to find that's, meaning to To me, to that's it. what it was. That's to me what I got me to like the Scissorman the most was the fact that they would say nonsense mm-hmm. and I would go, what are you what trying to say? Mean? Yeah, <laughs> and it's like that that whole uh, thought process of, of trying to get the gears to turn is just great because once you do like think that you figured out it means something, like you feel like you won. It's like mm-hmm. you, like, I did it. I got it. I got, I got this. I feel, like, I, I feel, I, I And you know what it. that is? That is our natural inclination to control things. We see something that doesn't make sense, like negative man or rebus, and we go, hey, let me put it into a world that I can control and I understand. So we see Dada poetry and we go, oh, right, let's make sense out of that because I can't live without knowing that I can make that something tangible. But in reality, it's just garbage. It just it's just not meant to be together. You're freaking me out, man. <laughs> that sucks. I don't want to be tied down to your having, natural inclination. Like, yeah, to control try things to, to try to make yeah to control to things f- or try to make it make sense. Force it to make sense. Forcing the world to make sense. I don't like that. It's just what you do. I know, but not you, but everyone. I want to stop. Um. But something that we really get to—I know they—they they reference another a lot of other, I think, data poetry within the the last few cells that Kate Chalice is able to see around the world happening. I think that she narrates, but more importantly, we got to talk about what the scissor scissor men are here for. And, uh, and they explain at the end of this, 
excuse me, issue. Um, we see a clip in this moment where there's a kid who's reading some illicit stuff. Illicit? I think he's reading something he shouldn't be reading. I think he's just reading like a pulp comic, man. Is he? It says, uh, Morrison includes a naughty child in issue 20 uh, in the character of Stuart, a Catholic boy from Greenock, Scotland. Stuart is counting down the seconds before his next confession. Apparently, the boy has been reading dirty magazines. Uh, drawn to mischief, scissormen soon arrive. Instead of cutting thumbs, however, they cut Stuart out of reality and turn him into a soulless citizen of their empire. That's heavy. That is, <laughs> that is heavy. You know when they told you to, um, you know, you'll go blind if you keep playing with yourself. Do you ever hear that? It's like an urban legend. Is that why I'm so blind? Ha ha ha! There was a whole thing with like zinc deficiency. If like you yeah. zinc deficiency. Yeah, it's like you jerk off too much you lose a lot of zinc you lose your eyesight but is it only if you jerk off it was like so if you're like banging that, chicks like you don't lose as much zinc somehow no, it's because like you know teenagers just jerk off all the time i just wanted them in my life dad Fuck off. yeah right come on i can i just got this computer in my room <laughs> and i just got what do you think i'm on gonna it? use it for yeah. <laughs> um so what were we doing? Yeah, okay, so this this little church Catholic boy. But they're here. I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. Is like show up. The whole point of the scissor men is to catch... Uh, what did he say? He said they're drawn to mischief. They're, they're here to actually cleanse the world. Like It's hey, like a boogeyman. Boogeyman is a person who comes after bad people? Uh, I guess the the loose term of boogeyman would be like the menacing... Uh, d- demon figure, whatever uh, antagonist that comes after mischief, mischievous things. It's just like the bo- like a boogeyman tale is what it is. Mm-hmm. It's an old nursery rhyme, grim nursery rhyme. Well, obviously it's not because it's the German Strulpeter. Yeah. So, but it is just that. It's uh, you know the. But it's why I think that the Scissormen come after K Chalice and Cliff Steele is because here are imperfect people. And then people like Stuart, who's here reading dirty magazines, is also an imperfect person. So the Scissormen come in and they go in their Dada gibberish. To, somehow they're like, hey, you're not perfect. Gotta cut you out of reality until everything is perfect. Too bad, so sad. That's crazy. That's like some <laughs> world war shit. But I think it's it's like when we get to part three, we'll know why. And it all deals with the uh, metaphysical book. So, uh, did you have any more notes for uh, issue 20? Or you just want to move forward to 21? Um I think I think issue I think, I think part three it. is a little bit shorter than the others. Yeah. Did you want to get into Strulpita? Mm, I won't, but you can. <laughs> if you don't know, it's an old German fairy tale about you know the scissor man, and uh, he would come and and cut off uh, the thumbs 
of children who suck their thumb. So kind of, you know, going with the, uh, the dirty magazine kid, he was, you know, doing some sins and, you know, the old German equivalent to looking at dirty porno is sucking your thumb. So, uh, the scissor man would come and he would cut your thumb off. So the scissor men are now coming and cutting them out of reality. Full circle, full circle. So the third part of crawling from the wreckage is more of an action piece. I feel like this is where we kind of get into like, uh, all right, here's, here's the rundown for our characters. Like they give the characters the exposition that they need to resolve the story. Um, but there's some cool stuff, I guess. This is like, I think the most fan service to comic book readers happens in this one. Cause it's like, Oh, here's the old headquarters of um, Doom Patrol itself. But then we also relocate to the, what is the first HQ of the Justice League of America? Yeah. Or is it Justice? Of America, yeah. But the JLA, not the JSA, right? Not the Justice Society. Was it the Justice? Now you're you're having me second guess it. (laughs) I'm pretty sure it's the JLA. But, um, yeah, it's the JLA headquarters, not mm-hmm. the JSA. But then it hits you with this heavy hitter part, but we'll get to it. So the scissor men have arrived in part two. Now in part three, they are going through the marriage between the fictional world of the scissor men and the reality. Mm-hmm. And so do you know the name of that world? What is the name of that world? I don't necessarily know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Um, there's a Q in there, and I feel like the Q might be silent. Where do I read that at? Is it Orthwith? Oh. Is it Ork- Orkwith? Orkwith. Is it Orkwith? Orkwith. Orkwith. Let's see what the internet has to say. How to pronounce Orkwith. Oh, they're not going to give me a pronunciation for it. <laughs> so Orkwith is like this this fictional plane of existence um, that... I don't I don't like calling it fictional because I don't know if it exists. It could very well exist. I have no idea. Anything can be anything, Mark. Metaphysics. Well, um, their reality is fictional to us. And that fictional world is fictional to them. Yeah. And you know what's weird? Like in DC and the multiverse and everything, if you take it out like bop, 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 you got Earth, you got universe. You cascade you got, it. If you cascade it all the way up, there's the source wall. And then what's behind the source wall is supposed to be us. But things that happen beyond the source wall also could be affecting what's happening in the book, obviously because the writers are writing about it. But like, there's this really weird limbo state where like, it's almost like a paradox where um, if the source wall were to break in DC, like clearly all existence would just cease to exist. But at the same time, it can't because... Uh, because it already exists. I don't know. Now I'm just sound like a crazy mumbo jumbo guy. Cut all that out. Let's go with it. What's interesting that you said that, and I'm gonna get on this tangent because that's what all this is about. Is like, so we behind the source wall, we write the stories and read them, but then the stories influence us as we're writing it. Because if I write a story where I say, "Here, Batman kills a guy," and even though that doesn't affect me, it might affect someone else. Mm-hmm. When it comes time for them to write it, they're still thinking about that time I wrote that yeah. piece that Batman killed someone, and they're like, all right, time for me to write a story Yeah, where I probably don't do that or I've been heavily influenced not to follow in that path or do fall in that path. It's kind of like how Batman nowadays is wearing the outfit that he wore in the nightmare scene of Dawn of Justice, and it's like, 
you only did that because you saw that movie that that one director decided to have an idea about mm-hmm. and did it. And it's like, that's when Source Wall influences that world inside and then the inside world influences people behind the Source Wall again. Yeah. That's crazy. There is like a level in DC mm-hmm. that... Um, who is it? I, and, and this is from Morrison himself, so it's fitting. Um, like the where uh, it was in Final Crisis, mm-hmm. Nick Yotin or whatever his name is, the the, mo- the the monitor at the time, like was exiled from being a monitor and was sent to live as a human behind the source wall, and yet he still existed in the book. Like you're reading a comic book that's supposed to be existing in this world that's you know beyond the source wall, mm-hmm. and yet you're reading about Nick's and he's like in this period like he's supposed to be in our world but Mm -hmm. he's not he was in the comic and it's like that the whole thought of like it's just this weird middle period where it's like you're existing in a comic but you're supposed to be existing in our real world and you very well could we have no idea and we don't know what you know what if what if that actually happens like what if there is like a source wall what if someone is writing us (laughs) talking about this podcast talking about this book like Could we don't, be. Yeah, exactly. Metaphysics, man. Get into it. You guys will like it. It'll blow your mind. It's like if someone was writing us to talk, to give exposition about this book that could have been just blank pages because that's the writer didn't get that far. But it's like, hey, this exists only so that we could talk about it and explain so, it. Perfect segue. Orth, orth with, orth Work with. Work with. Um, exists because it was written in a book with no words. And what this book is, is that, you know, when this book is, it was written, these things that were written in the book actually were happening and were yet to happen or will happen. And it's like, you know, all of a sudden, Orthwith is accessible. Like you can, you can get it, you can get to it. So it's again, the joining of the opposites where it's a place that you're not supposed to get to. It's, you're not even supposed to be there. It's not supposed to be a physical, tangible place. And yet, it exists. It's non-reality inside of reality. This metaphysical book that they're reading, mm-hmm. does it have a name? Do they, do they? Yeah, what was it? It's... I know this... Um, we see two personalities from Kate Chalice. One being uh, Black Annis which is like this crazy demonic Wolverine character that we see when they first enter the Doom Patrol HQ, which, again, going to the whole vision thing, how did they get from a sane asylum to just being like, all right, we're here at Doom Patrol HQ, like our old home base, and it's like the fact that that happens so easily feels like it plays into the theory of this being a a vision or just, you know... Like, you're not really, it's not really going to be that easy. And then after Black Anna secures the getaway with the jet, it's like, oh, the doors are closing. We're never going to make it. And then for some reason, the doors decide to open. Like, mm-hmm. it all seems so purposefully staged. Like, something is not right, but some this is all happening very convenient, conveniently. And it's like, this has to be meddled with somehow. Like, maybe beautiful hangman's daughter is doing the vision you know mm-hmm. but either way we get to see kate chalice do the black anna's personality which is completely badass she like 
goes completely demonic, starts tearing up um, like all the scissor men, like herself. And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, it's like the Injustice games want to be so kind of off the wall with the characters that they pick. Why is there not like a crazy Jane character? Where are the Doom Patrol characters? Like, let's get some of those crazy guys in there. And like, that would be something really cool to play around with is people like that. Um, I would be all about like a complete fighter pack that is just Doom Patrol characters. Um, but yeah, then the other character, the other personality yeah. of K Chalice that we see is um, Mama Pentecost. And Mama Pentecost is like probably maybe the smartest personality of the group. And she completely deciphers the metaphysical book. I think yeah. it doesn't actually have a name. I think it's just, it's, it's just Orthwith. Oh no, it says right here. It's Does paradoxically it? titled book with no title. <laughs> oh, okay. See, that's what I remember. I was going to say like, there's no, there's either no words in it or there's no nothing. Um, yeah. So what's, and you brought up the fact that like everything's kind of just like happening, like the doors closing with the, them escaping the scissor man and the jet mm-hmm. doors closing. It's because like the events that are taking place are supposed to be taking place like inside this book and inside this fictional world but it's met with reality and that's why it's like so easy for them because you know, they are the heroes in this story and of course the heroes are going to get away. Of course the heroes are going to win. So it's just playing out like it should be playing out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Almost. Yeah. Um, and I think like the writers of this book with no title, whoever wrote it, wrote it saying that the scissor men would like come and I guess be cleansers of some sort and so they actually do come out of it and they're like all right we're here to do what we were written to do and it's like you crazy like that's insane um but yeah that's exactly what they're doing um and you know it's not that they're um the pages are blank but apparently the pages are black it says here in one of the cells it says but it's totally black what is there to read and Mama Pentecost says, it's been written using a tactile af- alphabet, a bit like Braille. It's a code system based on the, f- uh, wow, don't know how to pronounce that. Uh, <laughs> Feigenbaum sequence of imaginary numbers. Uh, and <laughs> Cliff Steele says, great, but what does it say? And uh, she says, well, the whole book is a kind of metafiction, a self-referring text Basically, it tells a story of a group of philosophers who decide to create a book which radically alter human thought. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, what's to say that Doom Patrol itself is not the that metafiction? Exact, yeah. yeah, the metafiction that radically alters human thought. <laughs> I really think, see, like, that's, and and that's why, and I'm, that's, I'm sorry I'm relating it so much to um, Gerard Way's run, but that right there is what, I feel is like what he's going for in his run. Like all of this, like it's really metaphysical. This Morrison's more is more of like, um, like, yeah, there's like super metaphysics in it, but it's not like, um, I don't know how to explain it. It's more thought provoking, Mm -hmm. I guess. And Gerard's way is like, um, um, I don't want to, discredited or anything like that because it still does make you think like crazy about what's happening and what could be happening but it's more entertaining i guess 
in a way. And I'm not saying to like dog on Grant Morrison. He's, you know, he's a, you know, this Doom Patrol is a masterpiece in my opinion. But um, it's more so along the lines of uh, like we see this is happening. Like we see their plan later on in the Doom Patrol Mm -hmm. on how to defeat Orthwith and and the Scissormen and all that stuff. And, And we see like their plan play out. Whereas ways it's like you don't know what the hell's gonna happen next like it's just you just don't like anything could happen and it probably is gonna happen and it's I don't there's know. a possibility for it to happen yeah it's just it's just crazy um we can run through it a bit but i think we also see john in this moment um rebus is able to capture one of the scissor men for questioning um, because they have to. Who do we see? Um, but John is the other guy who works for Doom Patrol, and he kind of oh, has... Oh, jo- Joshua. Does it... Oh, I'm sorry. We're talking yeah. about Tempest? We're talking about Tempest, right? Uh, you got me, man. I thought his name yeah, was John. Yeah, the guy with... Um, you is know, it who's, Joshua? Who's walking around with, with Niles, everybody. Yeah, and he has, like, Starfire powers. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's Tempest. He's... um. So, Tempest is... A mutant, like he, like a straight up metahuman. Yeah, I guess, but like he's not like it's. It's hard to explain because like I've always seen Tempest as no, because like metahumans often, if you're not like a demigod, like your powers come from something, like mm-hmm. something happened for you to get that way. Um, Tempest is just, you know, Joshua was just born like this, like how just you know, like mutants are. In X-Men, like they're just born like that from the mutant gene. Tempest just has powers. He just always has powers. And he has like kinetic powers. Um, He's like the most normal of them all. Right? I guess. um, Like he was more along the lines of like, uh, you know, he's had powers all his life. So he's used to it. He doesn't want to necessarily, he never saw himself as like a hero with his powers. Mm. He went more on like, I think he was like a, like a medic. He was their team medic for a long time. But uh, yeah, he would use his powers when he would need to. He wasn't like on like the team going out. Uh, You know, there was, you know, during the crisis and stuff like that, everybody was all out there. So Tempest was out there and everything. But, uh, but yeah, he's like, I guess like a combination and someone's probably going to yell at me this, but I see it as a combination of, um, <laughs> there was in the X-Men animated show, mm-hmm. um, Alex Summers, Havoc didn't Havoc. shoot from his chest, it shot from his hands. Mm-hmm. So like, it's kind of like that, but with, uh, Gambit's powers, that kinetic power. Mm-hmm. So that's, there you go. That's could have been, yeah. That's Tempest. It's Josh. I think he changes his name at one point to Jonathan. See, that's what I wrote down John. Yeah, I think he changed his name to Jonathan. Um, Not like the author changed it. Like he split from the Doom Patrol or something like that and like went into... Maybe he's not so normal. (laughs) Yeah, maybe he doesn't want to be known as what he used to be known as. That was at one point in time. He went back and later on joined with them and then... um, I don't want to spoil anything. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, but he does get captured 
by the Scissormen at the end of this issue. Um, and like I said, it was a really short one, but it, it hits you with the whole metafiction part, which is like the part that makes you go, wait a minute, what is metafiction? And for those who don't know, like they said in the book, it's a book that references itself. And um, there's plenty of actual metafictions out there in our reality. So if you want to know, go ahead and look up some metafictions or maybe even get one. I might have to get one. Um, and see what all the hype is about. Yeah, I would. I would suggest the Kiribalum. That's what I'm actually working on right now. Oh, are you? That's kind of like, um, kind of like an outline for metaphysics. Really? So it's yeah. It's just it's a collaboration of uh, the elders passing down their knowledge, and it's basically just like a. See, you can't even say. I was gonna say it's like a black and white roadmap of what metaphysics should be, but like that mm-hmm. doesn't. That sentence right there doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, I don't think it's supposed to. No, yeah. Um, the way that part three ends and part four begins is so the realm of the Scissorman, uh, Orkwith, seems to engulf all of reality, and yeah. now we are in the fictitious world of Orkwith. Mm-hmm. Um, which seems like just an ordinary peaceful world, except it's full of those that are that were cut from reality and that they're now in Orkwith. So we see Joshua or John again, um, and all the other people are there. And this really becomes the moment of, all right, let's get back to reality, Eminem style. Uh, <laughs> and... Uh, they they just go into it and I what did we see? One of the we see a new personality from Jane. Um this one's spinning Jenny, which she basically turns into a, a sun singer from Destiny One and just starts throwing sun grenades everywhere. And um yeah, it just it gets crazy after that. It turns it turns into an action piece. Um but I think what Rebus does is just some of the, what I think is Morrison channeling himself into that character. Like, I think that's what Rebus became was like, all right, I am Grant Morrison. Let me ask these questions that like, he's at, do you want to explain what's going on in the story or? Yeah, I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get to the part. They're like, they're questioning him. I got it. All right. So Rebus is there. Rebus is here to. All right. Whenever. It's recording. Okay. So Rebus is essentially the most essential member of the team right now. Essential? Essentially essential. Um, Essential. Rebus is the one that understands that... uh, they pretty much understand how to stop this unraveling of, or uh, not unraveling, blending of reality and unreality. Mm-hmm. Um, and it has to do with this book. Um, and the answer, obviously, much like it always is, is in the book. Much like in the climax of Mean Girls, the limit does not exist. <laughs> Bam. And then... Um, Excuse me. Okay, so Rebus understands that they need to um, 
confront the uh we do learn that the main i guess the villain uh aside from the scissor men the scissor men are kind of like the thugs there are two priests that exist in orthwith in orthwith um and uh they are pretty much the that's just it they're the 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 how do you explain that they their existence it's one of the hard things <laughs> it's, it's like i can hear you struggling and it's like it's how really you, hard because how best to describe yeah. this <laughs> it's like i'm trying to describe something that it exists on paper in this comic book and the idea is there but it only makes sense if you're reading the story and it's like these priests exist in this fictional world but they dictate uh, they dictate reality Mm-hmm. Like they, but they, the way that they dictate reality is that they have, you know, what's, what's actually true and what's not, what's actually true, but they're, a, they're a paradox in themselves. And that's why it's, it's so odd to, to think about, um, God, just think about reality in itself. Like how does something exist, but also how, you know, why does something exist or why doesn't it exist? And, um, and that's, what's so strange about it. it I really mean, is. uh, Morrison says that he admits to uh, being influenced by um, Jorge uh, uh, Jorge Borges. <laughs> I think that's how you pronounce his name. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, he says that he admits to being heavily influenced by the guy. And he quotes, he says, it's got a lot to do with stealing the work of a blind Argent- Argentinian writer. I think he's wonderful. I just have uh, bass in this sort of thing. That was one of the things I wanted to introduce to Doom Patrol. All the strange paradoxes and philosophical curious. Um, it's just life. I mean, like this whole instance, this this last part here of Crawling from the Wreckage, like... It's just one big it, paradox. It doesn't exist. Yeah, it's an entire paradox. And it's... The quote at the beginning of the book um, is, uh, why is there something instead of nothing? That's like how... That is how you best describe it. Like, why are our characters here right now in this setting? Why do they exist right now in Orthwith when it should not exist? And you don't get an answer to that question. You just get them in there. Like, it's just that they do. That's it. We talked about it in uh, Dawn of Justice Minute. You know, it's like that whole thing of, can there be a Superman? There is. Like, why does this exist? Well, it just does. Like, you can't ask... So, sometimes you can't ask that question. And um, it just, like like I said, it's it just, only it just when happens. It, it's only when it doesn't exist that you can question, should it? But then when it does, it changes the game. Yeah, because when something does exist, you don't necessarily go directly to that thought of, should this exist? There's no. no way you can stop that. There's no way you can stop that. I yeah. Mean, yeah, it's obviously, but I was thinking of it more on, I was still in a Superman mindset. Um, so this paradox of a book is taking over and um, there's ways to, the book is written in some, you know, crazy weird ancient language and, uh, Jane, or who was the one that was able to translate it? Um, Mama Pentecost. Pentecost, Mama Pentecost was able to translate it. And they figured out that the way to stop the constant growing of Orthwith is um, to 
essentially play the game of these two priests, uh, you know, try to attempt to answer their question, mm-hmm. which in reality, like, you know that the, the, there is no answer to this question because it's a paradox question. You know, it's, it's all just a paradox, just like the two of them are a paradox. Um, and yeah, so it's just pretty much the team kicking ass and taking names inside this fictional existence. And then, you know, Niles gets down to it and uh, finds out who actually, you know, he kind of tracked down the the trail of who wrote the book and, and why it exists and, you know, the classic detective kind of style of how do you Getting stop it? Getting down to the bottom of it. Yeah, yeah. you got to get down to the bottom I do of it. Like, how do you uh, stop it? I do like the cover. It's a, a, the cover of issue 22 where it's like got the stained glass of the characters in stained glass and you have like the the white pope and the black pope of the scissor men kind of mm-hmm. thing and they have clocks for faces. Yeah, and the, the two priests. and Yeah, yeah. I do like that. It's a cool... I like that. And um, they say this... Uh, when they describe Orkwith, it says it's a, an endless city of bones and miracles with neither suburb or boundary, but which centers around a vast yard called the quadvir- quadriv- Quadrivium. 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 Yeah, we're going to go toss the hacky sack around on the Quadrivium. That sounds scary. I don't know if I'd ever go to a place called the Quadrivium. It's just the quad. That's what the quad means. It's just short for Quadrivium. Yo, we headed to the quad. You going to play some Ultimate Frisbee? Yeah. Yeah, dog. I'll see you right there. You know up, it. Up top. Mm-hmm. Welcome back to Bro Minute. <laughs> but yeah, um, the whole... Uh, the the idea that this book exists is is so fun to think about in my opinion um i just like paradoxes and i like that like you can't change them or fix them like a paradox is just that like it's it's going to just be fucked like there's like no paradoxes, getting around that it's weird cuz like paradoxes exist or don't but when they do you can't get rid of one can you can you get rid of a paradox if it exists no it's just redundant why would it be a paradox if you could get rid of it then it wouldn't be a paradox anymore then it wouldn't even exist like think <laughs> so, of something okay so we gotta stop the recording i can't do this. are you your mind getting no I'm, I'm good so think of uh, the way that i would base it off of is um there's another word for it but uh i guess it's a paradox the word jumbo shrimp or the animal jumbo shrimp. That's an shrimp. oxymoron, though. Oxymoron, but it's also, it could be a paradox. It just can't, it shouldn't exist. I guess the two words, jumbo shrimp. What's the difference between an oxymoron and a paradox? A paradox I is a problem? I always see a paradox as like an action. Unless you count Superman as a par- paradox. Superman is a paradox. Because he can't be all good and all powerful well, yeah the character himself is a paradox like i'm saying like and you this can, can't be both fiction and reality so what was the other one uh oxymoron oxymoron words that are opposite from each other but a paradox is a a, a something that jumbo shrimp doesn't is make an sense. oxymoron yeah it's not a paradox because it exists it, it does exist it's just a big Shrimp. It's just, yeah, it's just big shrimp. It's just the, the, the words don't exist. That's why it makes it an oxymoron. Yeah. A paradox is a situation that paradox can't make sense. Paradox is an unstoppable force meets an immovable object. That's yeah. a paradox. 
Yes. Because what happens? But Nothing. Obviously enough, the paradox himself answers that question in All Star Superman, written by Grant Morrison. Saw a loophole, <laughs> <laughs> and he says that they surrender. It was his answer. That was Grant Morrison's answer to that. Yeah. I have to sneeze. You got me, man. But that's the only way that they break this. This curse of reality meets fiction is they... They have to break the paradox. Grievous has to go up to them and be like, hey, guess what, guys? You're a paradox. Yeah. What is like? They have... They give them like a... um. They give them like a... I'm like not a, sold on... A, I'm not sold riddle? on... Yeah. But I'm not sold on the answer. I can't remember. Hang on. I need to... Look back. Okay, so the answer is is the answer. Uh, how can there be something rather than nothing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says there can't be. Or was he? Was the answer? How can there be something without nothing? Was the question? And what is the answer? I don't know. <laughs> can't, can't leave us hanging like that. What is the answer? Tell me what the answer is. I got it. Hang on. It's just not good guys versus bad guys. It's just not like, here's Robot Man about to thwart an evil villain from his dastardly plan it's like these people are fighting a acid trip is what they're fighting how can you be fighting through an acid trip is that what you're trying to say <laughs> no <laughs> i'm saying that grant morrison decided hey that these people aren't going to fight someone with a dirty bomb these people are instead going to fight a hallucinogen I, yeah, that's just like what's, you know, it's it's like the whole thought process of someone thinking that like, you know, sharks are the most terrifying thing in the world versus someone being like, no, what's the most terrifying in the world is crippling depression. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It's just like things like that where, you know, instead of fighting just like an actual big brooding hulking monster or something like that, yeah, you're so fighting an idea. Can't just Yeah, exactly. You can't just punch a hole in the wall yeah it's not that simple yeah it's like no you have to go up to that person and be hey guess what you're a paradox and it's like oh i am i shouldn't exist and it's like wait a minute you shouldn't exist what means i shouldn't exist yeah so the priests um they kind of give you that whole uh they're the there's, I remember it being, I remember it being a big poster. Someone had a poster of it. I can't remember where I was, but it was a poster and it was like the, the two roads or whatever. And, um, the one priest, one dressed in black, one dressed in white, um, you know, they, they give Rebus the whole spiel of, uh, one of them, I'm a liar. Uh, and the other one says like, I'm, I'm not a liar. So you need to ask us the question. And the question is, why is there something instead of nothing? So the priest in black goes to say like, oh, well, I'm a liar but I don't know why there's nothing, or I don't know why there's something instead of nothing. And uh, the one in white has the opposite. Well, I'm the honest man, uh, and I don't know why there's something instead of nothing. 
So it's like that whole complex thought process of you can't believe the guy that's being and uh, saying that he's honest because he could be lying versus the one that's saying that, oh, I'm a liar. Um, you know, if, if someone is saying like, I'm a liar, they are admitting to that. That's like them being honest. So if you have I've the honest never, guy, this part has always confused me and to this day I'm confused. So one saying I'm the honest man mm-hmm. and the other one saying I'm not the honest man. Yeah. So let's say right guy in black is not the honest man. Yeah. And the left white one is saying, I am the honest man. Mm -hmm. If the left one is the honest person for real, he is the honest person. And the other one is lying that he's not the honest man. So that would make him the honest man. Essentially, it's like the two of them should be the same. But they, they also should, should be, they, they should both be honest because that's what you're supposed to do. But a liar is obviously going to be telling you a lie. So even if he's telling you that, you know, hey, I'm a liar. I don't know why there's something instead of nothing. He just declared that he's a liar and like already throws him out. Like you can't believe him. You can't take anything. So you, he could even be lying that he's a liar. And then in that itself is like makes him... But then the other one is saying the opposite. I think they both should be saying the same right, thing. But if the if the liar said, uh, the the one that's a liar could very well say, hey, I'm the honest man, because he's lying. And then the real It pers- only dictates it on the one side where the honest person has to be telling the truth. And if the honest person is saying, I'm the honest man, you know, an, an honest person can't say, I'm lying. Like, I'm a liar. Because they can't. It's just not in their thought it's like they're they're the honest ones they can't be a liar well then one of the liar then what if the honest man said i am not the honest man um he can't the honest man has to say that he's an honest man it's really determined by the liar because the liar can go either way the liar can tell you he's lying or he can lie to you see that's what drives me up a hill because i'm like (laughs) wouldn't they both be saying hey i'm the honest man no i'm the honest man and then you have to go which one's lying yeah, it's, no way. It's like that whole, you know, you get a clone and you get the whole gun pointed. It's like, who, who's who's the evil one? Who's the good one? It's like, no, I'm one. Would I ever lie to you? Like, no, come on. You yeah, know, you, you know me. <laughs> like, it's it's that whole thing. It's like, oh, snap. I don't know. The guy with the ill intentions is obviously going to try to make you play to your side. Mm-hmm. So then Rebus figures all that out. Um, and Because um, he's perfect. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, he, he figures it out. Like, the guy in black must be a liar because he's... The honest man can't tell you anything other than what's honest. Like, anything other than the truth. So you have to listen to that. Mm-hmm. If an honest person is going to say, I'm honest. If The fact of the matter is that these two priests said the opposite of what the other one was saying. If they both said, I'm honest, no, I'm honest, then you get, like, this whole... Who do I choose? Who do I choose? <laughs> but since it is the opposite of one, like it kind of already gives you the answer right there. Yeah. And that's what it's supposed to do. Like Orthwitz, it's supposed to, you know, you saw it. It was, unreality was happening. Our heroes got away just in the nick of time. They got the answers. They defeated the bad guys just like that. You know, it was feeding my brain. It was brain supposed to like happen. It. So, <laughs> yeah. It's weird. It's like the existence of this book. When they wrote the book and they created Orthwith, it's like existence was supposed to be non-existent. Mm-hmm. Just wasn't supposed to be there, but and somehow it did. And that's why the question, why is there something instead of nothing? 
Like, why does this place exist right now when it's, it, it just does not exist. Nothing exists in this book. And yet this is existing right now. It's like, it just can't, there's no proof of that, which is in my mind, awesome. Cause you can even think like baffling more it's, like it's it. baffling. Be, that's why it's awesome because you can like, cause it makes you question everything. Like you're, you know, like it, it, just why is, why, why does something, why does one thing exist? And yet this other thing can't exist. And then someone's gonna be like, Oh, well, you know, laws of physics and everything like that. There's stuff in place for that. But then, you know, I'm a supporter of alchemy and I think those rules can be bent. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, it does close with a little more tangibility once we get out of Orkwith and yeah, all that. Bright, shiny day. And it goes, yeah, it really does. It really does have a happy ending, which is really weird, and I didn't expect it at first. Um, but maybe it's intentional because I haven't read further, so I don't know if it if, if it does end up breaking. But There's uh, other happy endings in this book. <laughs> okay, cool. The end end is like dark and... Like it's, it's, I did it's, read it's crisis style size, you yeah. know, it's, it's cause it was happening at that time. So it has like, one of my favorite Smith quotes to end the whole book out. There you go. So go for it. Um, but no, the ending of this story in particular brings the doom patrol back together once again, so that they are a complete entity. They are a team. They even do the, um, excuse me. They do the like, <laughs> Everyone put your hands in the circle. Yeah. We're Doom Patrol now. It's 1989. It's 1989. Man, what a time to be alive. Um, and it, seeing how that came together, I wanted to make sense of that more than trying to make sense of the reality of Orkwith at the time because, again, like I said, this is more tangible and I wanted to make reality out of that because it was a little bit easier for me and I went back to looking at part one, what the beautiful hangman's daughter said, and she opens up with the questions, what do normal people have? What happens when you're not strong anymore? What happens when you're weak? And I feel like this is the answer to that because, you know, what happens when you're weak? What happens, you know, what do normal people have? They have each other. And again, this brings us back to the whole reason you're reading Doom Patrol is because Maybe you feel out of place. Mm-hmm. These people do as well. So join the party. They we're have each all, other. Yeah, we're all out of place. So let's be out of place with each other and be the Doom Patrol. And that's what it is. So, um, you know, the answer is that you have each other. You need each other. Um, everyone agrees to reforming Doom Patrol because that's what makes them feel whole again inside and out. So... Yeah, that was my. <laughs> so, I mean, that that is. I mean, I believe it. I'm taking it for that. It's exactly what that is. They were. We started out this podcast and then even in this book of, uh, you know, everybody was separated from each other, and uh, you know, call it classic comic campiness. Everybody's brought back together at the end. Um, essentially, it's a happy ending, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know everybody is still happy. It's just one crisis or, just, you know, one, one bad day done. <laughs> taking with, it day by day, yeah. but with friends. <laughs> yeah. Taking it day by day, but with friends. And, uh, and it's the same thing with, uh, breaking reality. Like for questions that we, you and I, Nate, that we can't answer, 
in this story, just these four issues, there are things in those four issues that we still don't have answers to, mm-hmm. but the questions are posed. And then there are others out there who read this book. I get the same questions posed to them and they don't have answers to it. And it's like, not just a Doom Patrol inside the book, but outside in our reality, there are people with the same questions and we don't have the answers. They don't have the answers. But if we can all agree on something, we could probably (laughs) be lost about the questions together in some weird way. Yeah. You know, maybe people are listening to this Patreon episode and they're just going to be just as lost, but we'll be lost together. It's true. Weird way. I do want to say that it seems like this episode um, is wild. It's out there. It got out of not out of hand, but it's fitting with Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol is not just like this makeshift Fantastic Four team that DC created. Doom Mm -hmm. Patrol is, like I said in the beginning, like they are the misfits. People would say, you know, like yeah. Justice League Dark kind of deals with that, um, I guess, uh, what do you call it, um, magical side and everything like that, magical and uh, mm, fantasy, I guess, side of like DC Comics and like on the team basis, mm-hmm. whereas Doom Patrol, it's like you take that and dial it up to 11, and the heroes on the team are not like bright and shiny they're not let's work together i know we can do this guys we get that we got it no it's like holy shit here's this problem that's happening i don't know why it's happening how do we stop it i don't know the answer probably doesn't make sense okay let's do it exactly like, that's what it is like and that's just and they're not afraid to do it that's what the you know their whole purpose is they put their lives on the line and god knows what reality to you know fight fights that might not even exist to them you know and uh they just do it it's just crazy it's just it's out there it's it's wild yeah and in our reality that's something that we probably face with and we don't even realize it yeah does that problem really exist should we real should we really be fighting this fight (laughs) yeah um but if you've listened to us this far i congratulate you and uh Please, if you're not already a Patreon, well, if you're listening to this, you are one. Yes. Um, you should suggest. You should continue to be a Patreon subscriber, and you should also let us know what comic book. That's what I was going to say. Near and dear to you. Yeah. And we will devote a whole podcast episode. This one was two and a half hours. Imagine. Are you kidding? Two and a half hours devoted to your favorite comic book, or maybe your most hated comic book you could recommend that one too yeah um and we'll talk about it anything that you're passionate about there you go throw it on over to us and we'll (laughs) we'll analyze it absolutely so um i think we've talked fair enough and your ears off nate you want to plug yourself yeah um you can find me on the internets uh at no clutch nate um Mark and I also do our podcast, DC Cinematic Minute. Um, You probably already know about it, but if you don't, we go minute by minute through all the films in the DC Cinematic Universe. We're currently loving our time being spent on Dawn of Justice right now and continue to do or look forward to continuing 
the next movies. Um, what else is there? Um, Tarantino Minute. Oh, yeah. There we go. Gosh, how do I... There's also forget? bonus episodes for that on this Patreon. If you're a uh, Patreon $5 tier member, check them out. Hilarious people. I heard nothing but great things about those guys. Um, they're currently on... Oh, I just got that. You're talking about us. That's silly. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, they're currently on Pulp Fiction right now and Austin Powers Minute. You can find the rest of our shows at toolmedia.com. And, uh, yeah, without further ado, let's wrap this thing up. And we'd love to hear your thoughts about Doom Patrol. Don't forget to check out the notes about this episode. You can find all the links to all the other resources that we pulled from. And, uh, yeah, we want to hear your thoughts about it. You can find us at the Facebook group, the DC Mm -hmm. Cinematic Minute Listener Society. You can join us, guests from our DC Cinematic Minute podcast and uh, listeners of that show and patreon uh members as well and yeah please let us know what you thought about this episode please let us know what you would like to hear us review and become a patreon member all that this that and the other and we'll catch you guys next time here on dc dlc dc dlc there you go well, I was